Welcome back. Short intro. We got to get right to this. So much to talk about with the basketball Buckeyes. That's what we're doing on this Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice and Bill Landis. We have not talked to you on a basketball Buckeye Talk since the big win over Purdue. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the win over Iowa. We're going to talk about the seating put out by the NCAA Basketball Committee on Sunday, where Ohio State fit in there and what that means for where we think they'll land in the tournament for the opening weekend, even though we talked about that before. We'll talk about the Big Ten tournament. We'll talk about Ohio State basketball recruiting. We're going to take questions from you guys. There's going to be a ton of stuff because Landis, people are into this basketball team, aren't they? That seems to be the case, yeah. We've had, uh, real, I mean, frankly, kind of very surprising numbers. And you don't care about our readership numbers, but they're up. They're up a lot, um, which we appreciate because it means we get to keep our jobs. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I am – it's not a new thing. Like it didn't. It wasn't a spike after Purdue. It's been like this kind of since January. There's a lot of interest in this team. Sellout on Sunday against Iowa was the first in four years. Like just, and we'll get to this stuff real quick, guys. But just like, what was your vibe of that? Um, and just maybe explain. I thought you wrote a really good story. And by the way, make sure you guys are reading Cleveland.com/osu to get all of this top shelf Landis hoops coverage. <laughs> I thought the way you encapsulated sort of. I mean, it wasn't like an exciting game because they blew Iowa off the floor. But I really liked how you brought it all together because, like, that was it. Like, if you want what you want Ohio State basketball to be on Saturday, I might have said Sunday, on Saturday against Iowa, that was it. Yeah, I mean, they they played well for, like, obviously, even a little bit of a slow start, but it doesn't, they played well. They played one of their better games all year on both ends of the floor. Like you said, it was a first sellout in four years. There was like there was a very <laughs> palpable buzz, uh, oh. <laughs> but there there was there was juice in the building. Like I, I walked around the concourse a little bit, like as people were walking in, um, they were very like there was there was a lot of energy. This like and, and it hasn't happened. Even they've had some big games over the last couple of years, and but even like the Michigan State game, I think people were walking like, oh, they're playing Michigan State. Maybe they might win, but like came there definitely expecting Ohio State to lose. Um, this was different. This was different. Like this was like a it was a it was a college basketball atmosphere that I've, I, this is my third year covering the team. I had never seen the building like that before. And then on top of that, they positioned themselves alone atop the big 10. And then it was a big recruiting weekend for them. They had, uh, I don't know what the exact number I was told they were expecting between, between 10 and 12 unofficial visitors, um, including the guy who at the moment is their, their top target in any class. And it's Alonzo Gaffney, a five-star forward from Garfield Heights. He was there with um, his teammate, Michi Johnson, Jr., who is a 2021 guard, and his future teammate, Sonny Johnson Jr., who is a 2022 guard. Um, Never like, too early. Right. But Alonzo Gaffney is the guy. He, he's number one on their board, regardless of class. So he was there, and he saw it. And, I mean, that's the, the environment in that building is, is at least for was, at least for one night, exactly what Chris Holtman wants to sell. And he said he said that as much after the game. And when I asked him, um, like, is this your vision for the program? And he said, yeah, yeah, it is. All right, we're going to save some recruiting because we know you guys like that. So we're going to tease you. Yeah. We're going to make you wait. We're going to tantalize you. Landis is going to tantalize you with basketball recruiting. But right now, we're going to go through here. So the committee, what they did is they put out the top 16 seeds. And they ranked them 1 through 16. And that told you who the 1 seeds are, the 2 seeds, the 3 seeds, the 4 seeds. And then they put them in regions. But they did not put them in sites, right. opening weekend sites. So we're going to put them in opening weekend sites. And last time we did a basketball Buckeye talk, I think we talked about Ohio State being a four seed in Boise. Mm-hmm. 
Boise. 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 And so we're going to see if that still holds true. We will tell you if you didn't figure this out yet. Ohio State was 14th. That's a four seed. That's the second four seed. Did that? They, and actually, we'll talk about this a little bit where they match up with the AP poll. That's what Ohio State is in the AP poll. Yeah. Is that what you thought they would be when the when the committee released this? Is that what you thought? Yeah, I thought I actually. I if you would have asked me like you pick an exact number, I probably would have picked fifteen or sixteen, um, just based on. And we can talk about it later, like how their resume truly matches up. They don't have the quality wins that a lot of the other, uh, the quantity of quality wins that a lot of the other teams have. But fourteen makes sense. Okay, so we're gonna run through this quick because this is mostly just for me and Landis to have fun. Yeah, it's fun because yeah. we think it's interesting. Yeah, and then we'll get back to Ohio State basketball. But we're gonna say where we think these seeds will land in the opening weekend. And again, it, it, if in case it used to be that the opening weekend where you got sent was related to the region you're in overall, that's not the case anymore. Um, and the eight sites, just so you know, are Pittsburgh, Wichita, Detroit, Nashville, Charlotte, San Diego, Boise, and Dallas. So we're going to tell you where we think people are going to go, and this is going to illustrate, again, the path Ohio State has. And I think just so people are – you gave people this warning when we did when we did podcasts related to the college football playoff rankings. We know this is not set in stone. It's just fun. If you think it's dumb, stop listening. Or, no, 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 no. <laughs> Fast forward. Fast, Fast forward, forward to till, the recruiting part. the recruiting part. <laughs> and that's why they'll definitely yeah. sign Alonzo Gaffney. That's what's waiting for you in like 20 minutes. And the other thing, too, they did this last year, reveal the top 16, and 15 of the 16 in February, like, sorry, I'm going to say that the right way. 15 of the 16 teams they predicted in February were among the top 16 when the bracket was finalized in March. Which is very different from football. And for 20-second explanation, that makes sense because in football, you really, it actually makes a lot more sense yeah. to do this in basketball. In football, you release rankings and a team is undefeated, and then they lose, and they drop 15 spots. Right. In basketball, everybody already has lost. Everybody loses. So if a team that's, for instance, a number one seed right now, Purdue's number four overall is the last one seed right now. Like, unless Purdue loses, like, four more games, this is telling you what they think of Purdue yep. – and you just sort of expect everybody in this top 16 is probably going to lose one or two more games. Mm-hmm. Maybe there will be a team or two that doesn't lose again. Maybe there will be a team or two that loses four or five games. But short of that, this is really a pretty good picture, yep. which is why this matters for the opening round weekend seeds. For, number one seed is Virginia. Where would you put them, Landis? Charlotte. I had them in Charlotte also. They're going to Charlotte. Yep. Number two seed is Villanova. Uh, Pittsburgh. Yep, they're going to Pittsburgh. Like again, I think I don't know what would keep Virginia and Villanova from going to Pittsburgh and Charlotte. At this no, point. I mean, even if they fall off the one line to the two line, they'd still go there. Xavier's the three seed. So I do think there's some there's some weird stuff going on with teams like Xavier and Cincinnati and Purdue and Michigan State. But I have Xavier in Nashville. I also have Xavier in Nashville, and let's play quickly a geography game. This is based off Google Maps. Only from the city of Cincinnati. When you put in Google Maps, Cincinnati and these three cities, which is closest? Cincinnati as compared to how far it is to Detroit, to Pittsburgh, and to Nashville. Which is the closest city to Cincinnati? Detroit, 
Pittsburgh or Nashville? Uh, Nashville. Which is the farthest city from Cincinnati? Detroit. You are completely wrong. (laughs) But basically, all three cities, so Detroit, Pittsburgh, and Nashville, are basically the exact same distance from Cincinnati. It's like four hours. So you could put, so you get geographical priority as a high seed, but you could legitimately put Xavier and Cincinnati in Detroit, Pittsburgh, or Nashville, and it would make like a 10-minute difference on the drive for their fans. So that does give some flexibility here. If you're if you're a geography B whiz, Detroit, two hundred and sixty three miles, Nashville, two hundred and seventy two miles, Pittsburgh, two hundred and eighty eight miles. I wasn't totally wrong. You weren't totally wrong. You said Nashville said, was the closest. Was they closer. were second. Yeah. You said Detroit was farthest. It's closest. Right. But it's a twenty five mile difference. That's like whether you stop to get uh, French fries or not. Mm-hmm. So. There's flexibility in placing both Cincinnati and Xavier. I had them in Nashville as well. The four seeds, Purdue. Uh, Detroit. Where do I have uh, Yes. Purdue and Detroit. The number five overall seed is Auburn. I have them in Nashville. I have them in Nashville also. The number six seed's Kansas. Wichita. Wichita in the state of Kansas. Mm-hmm. Number seven is Duke. I have Duke and Charlotte. Duke? I believe, has never played outside the state of North Carolina on an opening weekend in Mike Krzyzewski's career. Yeah. There's, oh, they're all, there's always in Greensboro or Charlotte. Yeah. 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 And they always go there. Yeah. Cincinnati's the eighth seed. I have Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. I have Cincinnati. This is – yours probably makes more sense. I almost did it – like, again, Detroit is technically 25 miles closer. And we can talk to this later. So I actually put Cincinnati in Detroit. Okay. Number nine is Clemson. I have Clemson in Wichita. I have Clemson in Wichita as well. Nice. Number Because Clemson can't go to Charlotte because Virginia and Duke are yeah. there, and then nobody's really nobody's close. Right. Number and, and like their next closest thing's probably Pittsburgh for Clemson, but it doesn't exactly make sense to Clemson, send Clemson to Pittsburgh and then kick out a team that's actually close to Pittsburgh. Yeah. Number 10 is Texas Tech. Dallas. Dallas. Number 11 is Michigan State. I have them in Detroit. So I swapped. I have Michigan State in Pittsburgh, but obviously Michigan State makes a lot more sense in Detroit. Yeah. It's just a matter of maybe, I mean, if you're a three seed, maybe that's like a home court advantage yeah. for Michigan State. Yeah, they might want to So maybe that. they don't want to do that. Yeah, that's possible. Um, and, and, you know, Pittsburgh's still close. 12 is North Carolina. Uh, so North Carolina, and, and, and we'll get to Ohio State, I think, are the ones you can flip back and forth. I have North Carolina and San Diego. So here's the point, by the way, and this is mainly the point we're making. At this point in the bracket, we are 11 seeds in, the top 11 teams, and Pittsburgh is filled, Detroit is filled, Nashville is filled, Charlotte is filled, and Wichita is filled. Mm-hmm. And those are literally, I think, the five closest places to Ohio State. Yeah. Dallas has one team, and San Diego and Boise are wide open because the West sucks at basketball, Yeah, which is what always happens. So this is what we're talking about with Ohio State. Like, And we'll get to this in, the, in a second, but this is the point. You're out of spots. So you put North Carolina where? I put I, My thinking is North Carolina, they would stick them out West because people are going to come watch North Carolina play. Yes. So I put them in San Diego. I put them in San Diego also. 14 Ohio State. 
Well, 13 Tennessee. Oh, 13 Tennessee. I put Tennessee and Boise. I put Tennessee and Dallas. Okay. And then 14 Ohio State, and I put them in San Diego. I have them in Boise, but I think you can flip-flop them with Carolina. And then 15's Arizona and 16's Oklahoma. Did you put Oklahoma in Dallas? No, I no. put Oklahoma in Boise. And where'd you put Arizona? San Diego. Okay. okay. So here's the bottom line. Ohio State has a tough road to stay close to home, which is what we said last time we talked, but this only reaffirms it. Yeah. So let's get to the next point, which is related to a lot of different things. But... The thing that would get Ohio State on a close spot in the first weekend is to get past Michigan State. Mm -hmm. Michigan State was number four in the AP poll going into this week, and then they beat Purdue. So they're going to be number three in the AP poll at the worst. They might be number one. And they're an 11. They're the 11th overall team. They're a three seed for the committee. So... That's how in the AP poll there's like a there's a 10 spot gap. So I think Michigan State if anything is underranked at the moment possibly by the committee. So how could Ohio State get past Michigan State because you said something before we came on here. You think they're like they're not going to get past Purdue. Purdue's a 1 seed right now. Ohio State's a 4 seed. And again, they seeded that Purdue just lost its last two games yep. to Ohio State and Michigan State, and they are still a one seed. Both those games. Purdue was the number four AP team. No, Purdue was the number three AP team before this week. So they're going to drop in the AP poll. Mm-hmm. They're the last one seed with those two losses on the books. The committee knew that and still kept them at number one. So A, is there any chance Ohio State passes Purdue? No, I don't think so. So then B, how do they get past Michigan State? Because the other thing is wait for Cincinnati and Xavier to fall off the map. But, like, don't hold your breath on that. Yeah, right? it really – I mean, Xavier especially would really have to fall. We're talking about falling from the – you're talking about a four seed passing a one seed. Right. Ohio State and Xavier. So – Yeah, Vill- Villanova and Xavier basically locked in. They're going to be ahead of Ohio State. You're, you're, what you're dealing with here is Cincinnati and Michigan State. Can Ohio State get past them? And the easiest thing to do is Michigan State because you have a head-to-head win. And then I guess would you have would Ohio State have to win the Big Ten tournament and beat Ohio Michigan State on the way there? Have um, a head-to-head win, or would that not matter that much? No, they already have the head-to-head win, so like obviously another one would help. But I don't think you need another one. Like you could beat Purdue in the Big Ten championship, Big Ten tournament championship, and I think that's fine. Um, the reason I think Michigan State is within striking distance is, and there's a lot of like it's easy to get bogged down in all these numbers and like what's important and what's not. Um, so like bear with me. But the team sheets the selection committee uses have games broken down into quadrants. And the most important quadrant is quadrant one, obviously. And that includes home wins against RPI teams ranked 1 to 30, neutral site wins against teams ranked 1 to 50, and road games against teams ranked 1 to 75. Michigan has three wins in quadrant one. Ohio State has two. Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State has three. Ohio State has two. Quadrants one and two combined, Michigan State has eight wins, Ohio State has seven. So, like, they're one win off of Michigan State's trail. They had the head-to-head win. Ohio State's schedule is actually stronger than Michigan State's. Um, the reason I think Michigan State, and there is a, such a gap between the two, and it's 11-14, to 14, is because another part of the selection process are, like, these 
predictive metrics, which is like Ken Palm and the Sagarin computers and ESPN's BPI. Uh, Michigan State is six in Ken Palm, four in Sagarin, six in BPI. And that's not like who you played and how you fared. It's like what the computers think of your the quality of your team. Ohio, six, four, six, six. four, and six. Ohio State is 11, 15, and 14. Which is just like, it's a way of saying that take the head-to-head win Ohio State has over Michigan State out of the equation for a minute if you can. Look at the two rosters and ask yourself which team's better. Michigan State's better. They have two McDonald's All-Americans. They're starting lineup. If you go one through five, Michigan State has better players. It's just a fact. And, and the committee is using those kind of metrics. Or yeah, no? if you look at the team sheets, there's, so there's 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 results-based metrics, which is like RPI and KPI, which is who you've played, basically. You're getting credit for your schedule. And then there's the predictive metrics, which are Ken Palm, Sagarin, and BPI. And like those two separate groups are averaged together to give you a score. And it's just like you don't have to use them. It's just information for you to take in as you're trying to figure out who gets slotted where. But I think that's the thing that the moment that's creating the gap between Michigan State and Ohio State. And it's not people who look at it and say, well, Ohio State beat Purdue and Michigan State. How could Ohio State possibly be behind them? It's not that. Like it's the same. Think of it along the lines of football. And what the committee tells us when we talk about the football rankings, head-to-head only matters in the event of a tie. If the teams are considered even, then they'll go to the head-to-head, head-to-head result. Ohio State is not considered even with Purdue and Michigan State because Purdue and Michigan State have more quality wins than Ohio State has. Ohio State's schedule was okay, better than Michigan State's, but Ohio State didn't beat any of the teams that played in the non-conference who were good, and that matters still. Losing to Butler in November matters just as much as beating Purdue in February. It's all part of the, it's all part of the complete picture. Who, um, who's Michigan State's best non-conference win? If Car- Mich- Carolina. Michigan State beat Carolina. Yeah. Okay. So if Michigan State's non-conference schedule wasn't quite as good as Ohio State's, at least they beat somebody in that state. Yeah, but they played They played Notre Dame, who's just okay. They played uh, North Carolina, and they played Duke. And then they played a couple teams actually ranked in like the 300s in Kumbom. So it was not overall a good non-conference schedule. But the good teams they played, they beat a couple of them. And Ohio State didn't beat any of the good teams they played until they got the Big Ten play. Um, but the reason I do think Ohio State can catch Michigan State is this. Michigan State's last four games are at Minnesota, at Northwestern, home against Illinois, and at Wisconsin. Um, Ugh. It's a pretty crappy finish. Um, and, like, if quadrant quadrant one is important, none of those games are quadrant one games. Ohio State plays at Penn State, at Michigan, Rutgers at home, at Indiana. At Michigan is a quadrant one game. That's a very important game for Ohio State right now. Um, I think if Ohio State wins that game – and basically, like, Michigan State doesn't win the Big Ten tournament, I think it's possible for Ohio State to catch Michigan State. Does that make sense? It does. Okay. Indiana and Penn State are not quadrant one games? Indiana and Penn State are quadrant two, which matters. Like, okay. qu- total wins in quadrant one and quadrant two, I think, are, is something that matters. So, Ohio State has three of those games left. Michigan State has two. But then, another thing, and this is, like, getting way down the road. The Big Ten overall is not a very strong conference. Obviously, we've talked about that before. I think if if you rank the conferences by RPI, it's the last of the major conferences, which is why Michigan State and Ohio State are low um, in the seeding list. But there is a way for the Big Ten bracket to shake out with Ohio State as the one seed that its first game, which could be maybe against like Nebraska or Maryland, which Nebraska is 54 in RPI, Maryland is 58 in RPI. If either one of those teams can get up to 50 before the tournament starts, then that becomes a quadrant one win. So it's possible. Neutral site game. Neutral site game against anyone in the top 50 is quadrant one. So it's possible. Like at the moment, Ohio State only has one quadrant one result out there for them to get, but it's possible they could have another one 
in addition to like maybe playing for two in the Big Ten Championship. And like Penn State and Indiana aren't going to be in the top 75 to make that a quadrant one Penn State, Penn State is 91, and I don't have Indiana written down. Like they're okay. like 135th or something like okay. that. So. Okay. So it could come down to uh, – and the one thing about this, if which would be – it's going to be great. If Ohio State wins the Big Ten title in the regular season, that's great because I think – tell me if you agree with this. See if I, if I say this the right way. Does this make sense? I feel like the college football playoff has like almost completely – not completely. To, to some degree, to a large degree – has taken like the shine off of conference titles mm-hmm. because the reason you want a conference title in college football is to get in the playoff. But it's not really about like, we want a conference title. It's about we got in the playoff. In college basketball, you're going to get in. Like you don't have to win your conference to get in the thing. Yeah, Ohio State's six, already, yeah, they're already in. 68 teams get in. So then the con- a regular season conference title then on its own I think has more gravity because that conference title isn't just a stand-in for what really matters, which is Sweet 16s, Final Fours, National Championships. It exists on its own. Whereas, you know, if you said, oh, Ohio State won the Big Ten. It's like, oh, they won the Big Ten. Did they get in the playoff? No. Be like, oh, you mean like this year? Like are people running around in the streets saying – Ohio State won the Big Ten. No, no. But I think they oh, the basketball team hasn't won a Big Ten conference title in the regular season in six years. Mm-hmm. To win that, because here's the thing: they're not going to win. They're not going to win the national championship. And you may play this back if they do. <laughs> they're not going to win the national championship. They might get to the Sweet Sixteen. Yep. If if. Everything goes right. I don't know. I mean, they could get to the Final Four, but they're not going to win the national championship. So the thing that you're going to have hanging in the rafters from this season, and the thing you're going to remember is you won the Big Ten title. So I think that's a big deal. Yeah, I think so. But in addition to that, if they win the Big Ten, now all of a sudden Michigan State produces a semifinal in the tournament, mm-hmm. and Ohio State's going to be playing either Penn State or Nebraska, Nebraska. or somebody like that who, you know – Nebraska gave them a great game, and they lost to Penn State, but that's not having to play Michigan State or Purdue. Right. So then my point overall is I think it's possible, say Ohio State-Purdue is the Big Ten final, and Michigan State didn't even get to the Big Ten championship, and now you're saying, boy, Michigan State and Ohio State are both really close to be like the three that gets to go to Detroit or the four that gets to go to Boise or San Diego. Mm-hmm. Well, Ohio State played the Big Ten Championship. Or if they both get there, it would be very easy to say, you know what, it's so close. Everything's done. We're going to put the winner of the Big Ten Tournament is going to Detroit as an overall three seed and the loser is going to San Diego as a four seed. I think it's, yeah, it's, it's like if they beat Michigan – they could get themselves to the point where it's so close, maybe something in the Big Ten tournament determines it. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's pretty – like they're – if if you look at like the schedules and, and the the RPI stuff, they're very close. It's just that the – like the advanced numbers, like efficiency stuff, Michigan State's better. So they can close that gap a little bit. Ohio State can. It's not like it's huge. Michigan State's six in Kampam. Ohio State's 11. That's a gap you can close. Um 
But yeah, I think they just, Ohio State just needs to position itself to where it gets to the Big Ten tournament and like it's up for the bait, and then the head-to-head result would matter. And I think you do that by beating Michigan and probably just winning the last four games. I don't. Maybe you can't lose. So let's talk about the Big Ten tournament then. It's a week earlier than it's ever been. February twenty eighth, and it's in New York. Mm-hmm. Is it going to suck, or is it going to be awesome? Uh, yeah, I think it might suck, um, and not like not suck like it'll be like entertaining basketball because the the games in DC were last year. But like I was in DC and there was nobody there. And granted, I was there on the first day when Ohio State was playing Rutgers, and that has something to do with it. But it just wasn't a great environment because it's Washington D.C. And that's not a Big Ten city. And New York is not a Big Ten city as much as Jim Delaney wants to tell you it is. Um, so I like Ohio, an Ohio State-Purdue Big Ten championship in Madison Square Garden might have like 7,000 people there. But, but if you had it in Indianapolis, there'd be 20,000 people there, and it'd be crazy. Or in Chicago, it'd be crazy. Yeah. So uh, I think it might – suck as an environment now it's like madison square garden is madison square garden and that just adds something to it but it's not playing at the verizon center in dc but something yeah something will be lost not playing it in the midwest obviously is it gonna suck that it's a week early and that that game is gonna end every every year since i can remember i can't remember that far back to be honest (laughs) (laughs) so it's not like i'm not saying like, like back to the 30s but the Big Ten championship game is the last game. It's on CBS. Yep. They play it, and the minute it ends, they go to the selection show. And now, instead of there being one minute <laughs> between the end of the Big Ten championship and the start of the selection show, there's one week. Yep. Is that going to that, that to me is going to suck. They move the championship game back an hour, though. Usually it's at 3, and then the selection show is at 6. Now, since there's no selection show, I think they're playing at like 4.30 or something like that. Is the Big Ten basketball championship game, which is being played a week early in New York, is it on FS1? (laughs) (laughs) It's on Big Ten Network. And will there be uh, a motorcycle race on immediately (laughs) after it? I saw somebody on Twitter... Uh, I forget if they were in, I think it was in DC. Someone tweeted like, uh, big 10 fans in DC can't watch the, the, um, the reveal of the 16 seeds because the local CBS station was like showing a special on lemurs or something like that. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the big 10 championship game is going to be played on like the outdoor channel or something like that. Is it actually on the big 10 network? No, I think it's on CBS. It is on CBS. I'm pretty sure it's on CBS. Because when they when Ohio State uh, was playing Minnesota in Madison Square Garden, like they kept like they kept put because it was on, I was on the Big Ten Network, I think, right? Yeah. They kept pushing. Every question was like, "Oh, Chris Holtman, uh, wh- what does it mean for you guys to be able to get in Madison Square Garden and get to know the arena before it's like before the Big Ten uh, tournament in a, in a month? How big of an advantage is that?" And it's like, it's like it's in your Chris Holtman. Say something nice about the tournament being a week early at Madison Square Garden right now, or your contract is terminated. And then he had to talk. And it was so stupid. Yeah. This whole thing is so stupid. Now, the good thing is the league's down. 
Like if this now, of course, I just said the league's down. They just had a t- they had a game on Saturday that was the number three team in the country versus the number four team in the country that came down to a last second shot by a lottery pick. Yep. So anyway, enjoy that taking place. 4,000 miles away from most of the teams in the league in a city that does not give two rats patoots about the tournament a week early. I think the uh, the Atlantic Sun Tournament is also has its final on that Sunday a week early. It's in Brooklyn, though. I so. should, this, this would be better off in Brooklyn. The Atlantic Sun has a better site then than this thing. I don't know. Madison Square Garden is pretty cool. I have been to Barclays. Barclays is sweet, but in Brooklyn where the Nets play. But can you imagine? Can you so so Butler's in the Big East now, right? Mm-hmm. Butler is in is Butler, as far as I know, is located in what city? Indianapolis. Can you imagine if the Big East said, "Well, we used to be the conference of Georgetown and St. John's and Syracuse." But now that things have changed and we've expanded a little bit, we'd like to expand our reach. But we can't play in Indianapolis the normal week because the Big Ten plays there. We as the Big East, featuring Villanova, the number one team in the country, we're going to play the Big East tournament a week early in Indianapolis. No, and that, like, that's a, I don't know if anyone's ever made that point before. That, yeah, that makes it seem even more ridiculous. The Big East would say, Big Ten... We're playing in Indianapolis. You go play in Fort Wayne. Yeah, and the, it just bothers me. Yeah, it's dumb. There, it's and it's just they did it in DC. They did it during New York now, and it's back to Indy and Chicago starting next year for like the next four years. Um, I don't know. Nothing you can do about it except tell Jim Delaney he's dumb. I mean, it's one of those because they didn't. It's for TV. They want people. It's for TV and recruiting, right? They didn't say we want. I don't know if anyone's getting recruits because they're playing. Hey, we played three years before you got here. We played at Madison Square Garden. Isn't that cool? Yeah, right. But but yeah, there's nothing about it. There's no nobody ever said that the reason we're going to add Maryland and Rutgers is so we can have live events in D.C. and New York. Nobody cares about that. You just want people who live in D.C. to get the Big Ten Network. And now you root for Maryland in the D.C. area, and so now maybe you start watching Minnesota-Wisconsin because they're in the same – instead of watching Wake Forest-North Carolina State. Yeah. You're trying to steal those eyeballs. But you're not – who cares? Nobody cares if the tournament's in your backyard. Okay. Right. That's a long rant on that. Maybe Ohio State would not have received a commitment from Luther Muhammad, who's from New Jersey, if Luther Muhammad's family was not able to watch Big Ten Network because of Rutgers. Right. Maybe, but it's not because they wouldn't have been able to go to New York City to yeah. watch the Big Ten tournament a week early. Yeah. You know what would be a great – if we're doing this, by the way, if we're doing this, you know what would be a great city? Philly. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dream. Oh, man. You're trying to get Nova in the Big Ten or what? Yeah. They can play in my high school. Oh, my God. No, I wasn't going to say Philly. <laughs> I was going to say Cleveland. Oh, yeah. That'd be awesome. Or here. We can't play it here. Not really, Why? right? Why can't you? Play well, it nationwide. Well, because one of the things is, I mean, the good thing about like Indianapolis is that like there's no Big Ten university in Indianapolis, except everybody's close to it. Yeah. Like, it's a good, true. And like there's not really, I mean, like, you know, 
Because you're not, in Indiana or two hours away. Yeah, no, I know, but but Columbus is two hours away from Cleveland. Yeah. You don't think you could sell? You don't be more excited than Madison Square Garden? Go play in LeBron's house. You have to ask the Mac for permission first. Yeah. So, well, maybe they could ask. Maybe they could play. If they're yeah. playing a week early because of the Big East, play a week early because of the Mac. <laughs> We're uh, The Big Ten tournament's going to take place in the middle of January because the Mac has Cleveland reserved for two months. Um <laughs> But we're going to play the tournament and then finish the regular season after the fact. Okay. We can get some questions ready, but we want to – people were requesting a podcast uh, after the Purdue win. It was that big. It was that unexpected. And I did not get a lot of response on this. I think someone said – I can't remember. I said I'd read them. Maybe I'll look for them. It was a while ago. Oh, yeah. I invited people to send mean tweets to me. Um because I predicted Ohio State to lose by 20. Uh, and they did not lose by 20. They won. And so I know someone sent, like, um, I'm, I'm, I'm stupid and don't know anything about basketball. Can I be a sports writer, too? Which I thought was a funny thing That's to good. say. So that, the answer so, is yes. Yeah. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell. Now the cat's out of the bag. Um, so I was wrong about that. And when we were sitting in McDonald's on uh, National Signing Day that afternoon, on Wednesday, before that game that night, uh, I said, I picked them to lose by 20, and you said, I think they could win. Mm -hmm. So now, because I do feel like, do you feel like that win has changed the way some people view Ohio State? For sure. What, going into that game, why, what made you believe that they could win that? Because... I'm going to guess one of the main reasons they won is not what you believed, or is not what anybody believed. But I think maybe another of the main reasons they won would line up with what you believe. So how would you have explained your belief that they could win? Um, I think Ohio State, and I'm going to write a story about this at some point. I was asking questions about it the other day and then just didn't get around to writing it. Um, I think what we've discovered over the course of what they've played 27 games now is that Ohio State has a very versatile lineup. Um, and it's because they can play Kata Bates-Diop as a small ball center, um, and apparently Andre Wesson is a small ball center, which I, I did not expect that to happen. Maybe that's what you were talking about. Um, but I did think that Ohio State could play small against Purdue and give Purdue problems, which is what ended up happening, happening in the second half. Um, I don't know how much of that was by design and how much of that was because Caleb Wesson couldn't stop fouling Isaac Haas, which is fine. He's a freshman. Isaac Haas is an alien. It'll happen. He's like seven foot two, 300 pounds. Um, but I just thought, like, if you looked at, and I was talking, it was partly influenced by, I was talking to a writer who covers Purdue, and I forget what his name is. I should know his name. Um, but he was just talking to me a little bit about how, like, Michigan gave Purdue some problems with Mo Wagner, who's, like, their stretch five, and, like, Isaac Haas couldn't guard him. And there's always a trade-off when you do that. Like, they can't guard you, but you can't guard them because, in theory, a uh, less sturdy three-point shooter should not be able to guard Isaac Haas, and a six-foot-six wing should not be able to guard Isaac Haas, but Andre Wesson did that. Um, my thinking was that Kata Bates Diop would be the guy to do that, and then that could give them some problems. Um, and then it was also just banking on the fact that Purdue had not been shooting the ball well. And the way that Purdue beats you is by throwing in the Haas, and then he kicks it out to three-point shooters who shoot better than 40% collectively. Um, so that was my, my – yeah, my thinking was they could give Haas problems with a small lineup and that Purdue had not been shooting the ball well lately. Did you – do you think – 
Holtman sort of stumbled into that small lineup because of Caleb Weston's foul trouble, or do you think he would have found his way to that lineup anyway? No, I think he would have found his way to that anyway. I think it is, and it's not it's not a knock on Caleb Weston because we saw against Iowa how, how good he can be. Um, but I, I do think they might be at their best when they go to that small lineup. If so, when the other team has a guy like Haas, do you think... They did it against Maryland, too, and Maryland... Um, I guess Maryland, Maryland's a pretty decently sized team, but then Iowa also has really good size, and they just didn't have to do it. I think if, if Caleb Wesson's not in foul trouble, they'll play him at center unless he's just having a terrible game, which hasn't really happened. If he's if he's had a bad game, it's because he's in foul trouble. Because there, it is interesting, I mean, the versatility in the lineup, and it doesn't take many guys to be versatile. Basically, it's that you have Kata, who's long enough to kind of be a five, and then you have a couple smaller wings who are tough enough and strong enough and good enough defensively in Jayshon Tate and Andre Wesson who can guard big guys who are much taller than them, but that gives you flexibility on the offensive end, right? So yeah. it's it's those guys who sort of make it happen. Yeah, they have three they have three players who can guard five positions and like possibly a fourth. Not now, but Musa Jallo, I think, can be a guy like that in the future. So, because the thing is, because Haas had a good game still, but yeah, I thought, and like, like we weren't there, so I didn't get a chance to ask this. Um, but it seemed to me the plan was like, let Haas get his. We're not going to double Haas because when you double Haas, it's when they kill you from the three point line. Right. And I forget who the it might have been Seth Davis, who was one of the color guys. who said like kept kept harping on this one stat, like Purdue averages ten made threes per game, ten made threes per game, and they have like five. And they didn't really have any in the first half. And they got a, they had a spurt in the second half where I think like five of six buckets were three-pointers. But that was it. Like they took the thing that Purdue does to kill you, Ohio State took it away. And, and it's funny, Haas, I, I didn't watch the Purdue-Michigan State game because we were at the Ohio State game, which yeah. was, came on right after that. But I think Haas had 25 against Michigan State, and they also didn't win. Yeah, he had 22 field goal attempts, which means they weren't double-teaming them. So, and, and I know at some point early, the announcers in the Ohio State-Purdue game were saying like, oh, Haas is killing Ohio State. And then at some point, somebody said, you know what? Is he killing them or are they just letting him score yeah. and taking everything away? So the thing that I thought, so so the two things, and obviously you know this team better than I do, but the, but the two things that I was thinking about, the thing that I was not surprised by was their ability to defend on the perimeter and maybe because I did I did the box the preview box that had all the stats with the mm-hmm. percent shooting the three point shooting for those five they have five guys basically the five guys who play other than Haas all shoot between like forty and fifty percent from three yeah but they had been a little colder lately than they were earlier in the year mm-hmm. is that right yeah but I thought Ohio State did a pretty good job on the per- perimeter defending those guys and keeping them from getting wide open looks. And that yeah. was not a surprise with the way this team plays team defense, right? Right. And the guy who, like Carson Edwards, was the one who was hitting like somewhat regularly, and I thought he was just hitting kind of some crazy shots. Yeah. So that that is if if you are, and we're, I think we have some questions later about like what are the kinds of teams that could give Ohio State trouble in the tournament. Mm. But if you are a three point shooting team, if you are a team like Purdue that has multiple shooters, I guess I like Ohio State's chances of at least bothering you a little bit. Yeah, because they exactly. have wings who can get up on you. Yeah, I think yeah they're, they've they're, they're I don't have it in front of me. I think they're like number twelve in the country in, in defensive efficiency, and I, I think they lead the Big Ten. And this is a team that at the start of the season was like in the sixties or seventies. And Chris Holtman said like if we can get below forty, I think we'll be I think we'll be pretty good. And now they're at twelve. 
Yeah. So they're they're they're. I I don't think it's too strong to say that Ohio State is. If it's not an elite defensive team, they are bordering on being an elite defensive team. And it's clearly part of their identity at this point. Yeah, yeah. and I think, and even if you want to give like the fact that the Big Ten is not great, uh, make make that part of the reason why their defensive numbers are so good. Purdue was one of the best offensive teams in the country, and they shut them down. Right. And Iowa scores a ton. Iowa is a bad defensive team, but scores a ton. And Ohio State's defense shut Iowa down on Saturday night yep. too. Now the thing that shocked me that was I don't they would not have won without this was the bench scoring mm. that Andre Weston I think had thirteen and Musa Jallo had ten mm. and they had done basically nothing as you pointed out Musa Jallo had not had literally not scored a point in the previous nine games Andre Weston had not scored more than three in any Big Ten game this year mm. he scored thirteen they got twenty three points from those two guys now again that's Purdue. Doing some other things. I thought, did you think Kada had to go nuts in that game? Yeah. Because he was coming off a career high against Illinois the game before. Yeah, 35. And you thought, well, I thought he had to get at least 25. 25 to 35. Well, yeah, because if you even go back to the Michigan State game, like I thought collectively Ohio State played, like we said in the last podcast, it's podcast, it's a game, but it's a game also included Kada scoring 32. Right. So, yeah, I thought he had to go nuts. So, he did not go nuts. Did he have 18? I think right? so, yeah. He did not go nuts. And Purdue, I mean, if you're Purdue and you say, well, <laughs> let's leave Musa Jallo and Andre <laughs> Wesson open. It's like, yeah, yep. let's do that. And they hit stuff. Now, Andre Wesson, as all these guys were, but Andre Wesson scored in high school. I mean, Andre Wesson. He was like watching him at Westerville South. I said he's going to be a guy in college who plays good defense and shoots threes. So a three and D. Yeah. So, so far, he's been D. Yeah. <laughs> Late on the threes. So if he becomes 3 and D, so the thing I thought to some degree, and I'm not shying away from being 100% wrong. I was 100% wrong. But they were, Purdue was up by 14 at one point in that game, and that, I thought, yeah, this this is it. Yeah. Just one of those things. And then, I think there's another universe where Purdue hits some threes. They're, Purdue's up 14. They keep hitting threes. Andre Wesson... And Musa Jallo don't hit shots, and Purdue wins by 20. Instead, mm-hmm. Purdue didn't hit threes, and Andre Wesson and Musa Jallo did hit shots, and Ohio State wins. I took that in that moment as a one-off. As a man, you beat Purdue, but you got 23 points from dudes who, who usually give you between 0 and 4. Mm-hmm. And they gave you 23, and you won by a point. Yep. I took it as a one-off, but... With what we saw against Purdue and then what we saw against Iowa, it was Micah Potter against Iowa, had 10. Is that maybe not a one-off? And is this bench going to, and maybe it's not the same guy every night, but is there going to be a guy Yeah. that that can give them some offense that early in the season was not giving them offense. Is that not a one-off? Is that maybe the beginning of a trend? I, I think I'm willing to say it's the beginning of a trend. And like you said, it's not. I, I'm not going to tell you to like – because it didn't happen. Musa Jallo and Andre Weston did not have 23 against Iowa, but the bench collectively I think had 22. Um, is that right? Yeah, 22. And the bench had the bench had 18 against Purdue because Andre started. Andre just started, right. Um, and that might be – like Andre might be starting from here on out. So, and again, this, we got a question about this, but if the, if the we'll bench down, yeah, if the bench down includes Cam Williams, then absolutely the answer to that question is yes. Um, but even without him, I, I think you are seeing in Micah Potter and Musa Jallo and Andrew Dockich, who's he's a bench guy too. Like those are the main three at the moment. 
Um, am I forgetting someone? No, I mean it's no, it's three. They play eight. Kyle Young, I like Kyle Young. Yeah, plays their rotation is nine guys, and Kyle Young gets in every now and then, right? Um, and one of the guys is suspended. So yeah, it's it's Musa Jallo, Micah Potter, and and Andrew Dockage. I think you were seeing guys who were confident, more confident in their scoring abilities now than they were a month ago. And it's not to say like I, I don't think any of them is capable of scoring like maybe more than eight to twelve points for you. Um, but I do think you can feel pretty good about one of those guys stepping up on a nightly basis. And if just one of those guys steps up, then this bench is giving you a real boost. And, and it's one of those things when they're on the floor. And again, Holtman, I think, is we, – we had that one game earlier in the year where he got – the Penn State game, he got them all on the floor at the same yeah. time. And it wasn't a good look. But just like anything, um, if Andre Weston's on the floor and then people think, well, we'll – triple Kata and keep your eye on Jay Sean and make sure CJ Jackson's not open from three, but you can kind of ignore Andre Wesson. If you can't ignore Andre Wesson as a defense, if you have to at least keep an eye on him, that makes a difference. If you have to at least, well, if you leave Musa Jallo alone, he might cut to the rim and get a pass and hit something, you know, mm-hmm. hit something in the lane. Micah Potter's going to do something. If you feed him in the post, I don't, I don't think Doc is just going to, Doc isn't going to score unless he hits a wide open three or gets like a transition layoff. That's fine. Yeah. That's true. He had one game against Maryland earlier in the year. I think we scored double figures, right? He said, "I think he said two. He had he had eleven against Iowa and thirteen, I think, against Maryland." Okay, but um, but that makes a difference. And again, it's like the evolution of this team. That that I mean, clearly, you know, when it comes to NCAA tournament season and that kind of stuff, you are you're your whole resume. But but they're doing things now in a lot of ways. But that's one of those areas that stands out. You know, Musa Jallo was a 17-year-old kid who should have been in high school. He wasn't going to score points for you right. in the first half of the season. And Andre Wesson was a guy who who did get minutes last year, but was still sort of adjusting to this new role. They weren't, you know, like yeah. You can see them getting better. You can see those guys getting better, and so and Andre too. It's just worth like again. I've written about it, and I, maybe we talked about it before, but like he did not. He was not in basketball activities at all this summer. So his slow start to the season had something to do with the fact that he didn't play basketball for like four months because he had a medical condition that he was undergoing testing for. I think some people thought maybe it might end his career. Um, his family did not seem so certain about that, but he had to get it. He had to get it done, and in the meantime, he wasn't doing anything. So it probably took him until just about January to get back in, in basketball shape. We'll get to questions in a minute. I want to touch a couple more things. I wrote a column after the game about how. Um, about Ohio State being picked 11th in the preseason and being um, first right now. Um, does this – the point I made was that it both made sense because, like, it's just – it's the same roster, but it depends, like, sort of how you look at it. So I think we can sort of all agree that there were so many question marks early on um, that the 11th made sense. The thing I'm more interested to hear yeah. from you is, as you look at it now, when you really break down this roster piece by piece, and again, I still think they're a team that's they're better as a team than they are individually. But when you start to take it apart, are these pieces actually? Because I would have said earlier in the year, God, they don't, they just don't have like the talent to match up with some of the elite teams, you know. Yeah. But when you start breaking this team apart piece by piece, what do you think of the pieces? And you and you and Tim Bielik did some things before the Purdue game, sort of catching everybody up individually on the nine guys in the rotation, yeah. on what they were and what they are now. I don't know. I mean, are they actually a first-place team when you think about the guys on the court? Yeah, um, yeah, I think I think so. Like, Kate is, Kate is Katie. He's a first-round NBA guy. Um, 
Jay Sean Tate is better this year, even though his numbers aren't, if that makes sense. Like he's, he's doing, he's got a more well-rounded game. Um, he's been more efficient this year. Um, and he's playing like he's playing a bunch. He's playing point guard. He's playing small forward. He's playing power forward. He's like guard and center. He's guard and point guard. Just doing literally everything you can possibly do in a basketball court. Um, very well-rounded game. And CJ Jackson, I think like there are point guards in the big 10 who are better than CJ Jackson. There's probably like, if I did a draft of point guards, I don't think I'd take CJ maybe higher than like fourth couple guys, like two or three guys. I think I take ahead of him. Um, but he's really good. And, and part of this, like, Teams come and play Ohio State, and then they lose, and then the coaches tell you how good Ohio State is. Like, they have to do that to some extent because they can't just, like, these guys stink and they beat us. Um, but I think there is some, some sincerity with what some of the coaches have said this year about how improved C.J. Jackson is. And, and multiple people had said that he's one of the more underrated players um, in the Big Ten this year, and I think I agree with that. And he'll, every now and then, like, the Illinois game was not good. Um, but he's he's a better point guard than I thought he'd ever be because he didn't come here to be a point guard. He came here to be a two guard to shoot threes. Um, and he's tough. He's much tougher than I thought he'd be. So um, Kada and Jay Sean and CJ have all re- taken their game to a level that I didn't expect this year. And those three guys I think are, you know, they're not other than Kada, they're not first round picks and, and nobody's a lottery pick and none of them were D- McDonald's all Americans. But I think all three of those guys are probably within like the top 15 players in the big 10. And I definitely would have said that before the season started. And, and when you look at it and I don't have the recruiting rankings in front of me, I saw someone retweeted them the other day of like, you know, Kada again, Kada's like a top 30 recruit yeah. in the country. I think he was over 29. Yeah. Jay Sean, I think was like a, was a pretty decent recruit. Top 60. Yeah. Right. C.J. Jackson was a, was a guy as a junior college guy that people wanted. Caleb yep. Wesson was a what? Top 100 Top recruit? 100. Yeah, so was Kyle Young. And I know he's not playing, but it's just a, there's talent on the roster. Yeah. Cam I mean, Williams was top 100 in the country. So so it's it just took a little bit for them to show it. But it's not, it's not really like a scrappy group of underdogs. Not no, really. Like, but I, I thought it was like in in the beginning of January, like when they beat Michigan State and they beat Maryland, I was like, oh, this is like a plucky upstart Ohio State team that like this is going to end eventually. But then like watching them more and more, like no, they're they're good. And then obviously, whatever they won by one at Purdue, they could have lost by five at Purdue. Like I thought coming out of that game that they are as good as Purdue. And Purdue, if you would have asked a lot of people before that game on Wednesday night. They would have told you Purdue is a contender for a national title, and I'm not saying Ohio State's going to win the national championship, but the talent level, like, like it's obvious, the talent level is much better than we thought it was. This is one of the questions, but I want to get to it now, sure. and we'll give people the credit for the questions when we get to the questions. We had made the point in the podcast before the Purdue game. I had sort of hammered this point of play your A game, play your B game, play your C game. Like, what is the matchup of? of what it has to be for Ohio State to have a chance to win. And I said, I think Ohio State, like, I, I think I must have said something like, Ohio State has to play its A game and Purdue, even if Purdue plays its B game, maybe that's not good enough. Maybe it's Ohio State's A game versus Purdue's C game. And that's what it would take for Ohio State to win. And I know somebody asked, what did you, th-? like, Caleb Wesson got in foul trouble and was a non-factor. Mm-hmm. And Kata didn't go crazy. Mm-hmm. So was that Ohio State's A game? Like Ohio State went on the road and won at Purdue. Was it did they do that even without their A game? Like was my whole point blown out of the water even more cuz it's not like 
they played perfect and everything went their way. Yeah, no, that wasn't their A game. That, that might have been their A, a defensive game, but it definitely wasn't their A offensive game. So it was probably their B, like overall their B game. Now and, and now the one thing, again, the one caveat is I don't know what – I don't know like the Greek alphabet or other alphabets. Mm. I think there are other – there's some letters maybe that come before. There's a letter that came before A, Upsilon or <laughs> Omega. <laughs> Andre Wesson and Musa Jallo played their Upsilon games. <laughs> like that's so yeah. – like if you would have yeah. said, well, what's it going to take? Well, you're going to need 23 from Andre Wesson and Musa Jallo. I'd be like, oh. Okay, maybe maybe they can you know do whatever yeah. funny thing. Also, but like that, like it's one of those things. Like yeah, Caleb Wesson was. I mean, Caleb Wesson had eighteen against Iowa and looked great. Mm. He did nothing against Purdue, so obviously it wasn't it wasn't his A game. But I mean, that was so unbelievable. And I know again, it's like Kada and Jay Sean and Caleb Wesson, who were probably and CJ. Your four best offensive players, they collectively offensively didn't play their A game. But like you said, play their A defensive game. And then they, their bench, it was the, the bench, and I still include Andre Weston in the bench. It was the benches, like, off the charts yeah. A game. Yeah. So I still think, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's a world. I mean, when the night comes when Kata Bates-Diop scores 35 and Andre Weston scores 13 and Musa Jallo scores 10, then we'll see. That's the A++ game. Yeah. But in the meantime, I, I think it was close. I think it was an A-minus game, maybe. Maybe. Maybe B-plus, A-minus. Yeah. But I do think Purdue – what do you think Purdue played? Again, like they've been – if they've been a little bit cold – but they definitely didn't have some of their like all Big Ten caliber players go nuts. Part of that's because of Ohio State. Well, that's yeah, that's because they figured yeah. But they didn't go off. Sometimes great go, players yeah. go off anyway. Yeah, I, I think it was probably it wasn't Purdue's A game, but then like you also have to give Ohio State credit for taking them out of their A game. So I would I would say maybe that was Purdue's like B minus game. But if I would have told you Purdue plays B minus, Ohio State B plays B plus before Wednesday, I would have said no. Picked. I would have said Ohio State loses by twelve. Yeah. Um, so, so, and we'll, there's like two more, I'm scratching stuff off as we go. Um, who's the, do you think having now watched Ohio State against Purdue after previously watching Ohio State versus Michigan State and now knowing where Michigan State is and knowing the talent Michigan State has on its team? If you think Ohio – so now your your conclusion, and I don't think anybody would argue with this now, that Ohio State's as good as Purdue. If Ohio State and Purdue play ten times, maybe five, it's five, five. Mm-hmm. Maybe six, four, maybe four, six. But it's not – It's close. It's yeah. not like Purdue would still beat him eight out of ten times and Ohio State got lucky. Yeah. It's, that's not the case. Where is Ohio State, Michigan State? Like that seemed like that was a low – for that Michigan State team. And I know that Michigan State team had not gone on the road, had not played tough road games before coming to Ohio State. Mm-hmm. I know they've had some other rough games. Everybody's better at home. Um, but they're, they might, like you said, they're going to be like the number one or two team in the country right now. If you, you, Purdue is a one seed. And again, seeding isn't the same as how good you are because it's your resume. Yeah. And Ohio State is playing better than its resume right now because their resume is held down by early season losses. 
But Purdue's a one seed, and you just said you think Ohio State's as good as Purdue. Do you think Ohio State's as good as Michigan State? Or do you think, like, that day Ohio State blew out Michigan State in Columbus, but do you think if Ohio State and Michigan State played ten times, what would that breakdown be? Um... Maybe like six four Michigan State. I still I think it's like Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson on Michigan State are both going to be lottery picks, and so they are. I don't know. Maybe maybe Kate is on a level. With, I'll say Kate is on a level with with those guys, even though he won't get drafted as high because he's not as explosive. But in terms of college um, impact, I think he's as good as those guys. It's just that they have two, and Ohio State has one, so that gives in my mind Michigan State a little bit of an edge. Um, but I think like both teams playing their A game again. I don't. I don't think they're far off. I don't think they're far off. Um, so no, like I don't like. Were you expecting me to say like seven three Michigan State or eight two? Maybe I thought maybe it was on the table that you would say seven three. Like Michigan State, and I didn't watch Michigan State Purdue, but Michigan State beat Purdue at home in East Lansing on the last shot of the game. Miles Bridges hit like a thirty five footer um, with like two seconds left, and Michigan State won by three. I think um, it's more like a twenty six footer. He was like four steps behind. How far away is the college three-point line? I don't know. 21, 21.9? Okay, it was like a 20, yeah, 26-footer, yeah. It felt longer watching it in real time. Because <laughs> um, it was such a ridiculous <coughs> shot to take in the first place. Yeah, that was like LeBron. Yeah. Like dribble around. It's like, what are we going to do? Give the ball to the best player. Let's see it make something happen. Oh, he just shot a three. Oh, I went in. No, I think, um, and maybe it's crazy to say this, and I think people who like evaluate stuff for the draft will probably tell me I'm, I'm stupid for thinking it, but... I do think that Ohio State, Michigan State, and Purdue are like kind of even, and they're clearly the three best teams in the Big Ten. And there's a drop after that, but I and Michigan, Michigan's not far off. Um, but yeah, I think Ohio State. I think Ohio State has earned the 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 right for me to think that about them. I I don't I don't think that's uh, I don't think that's off. I I tw- what did I say twenty? Did I say twenty one nine? It's twenty nine, twenty feet nine inches. Call it three point line. I can't remember what I said. It was a 20. You said it was, you, yeah, you said 20. I said 20 feet, 9 inches. Yeah. Okay. It used to be 19.9. I moved it back. 20. Yeah. Um, all right. I'm going to make a Cavs Ohio State point after we talk about recruiting. So we're going to go recruiting. Mm-hmm. Cavs Ohio State comparison. Questions. Okay. And we're letting you know that this is a basketball podcast that's going to approach the length of our football podcasts, which you can listen to every Wednesday. We'll have another one this week. Me, Bill, and Tim Bielek. I'm not sure what it'll be about. I guess we got a... No, we already wrapped up signing day in the last one. We'll figure something out. Maybe we'll have a new assistant coach by then. Oh, yeah. That'd be good if they did that. So we'll have a basketball podcast on Wednesday. Um, and we also want to just tell you guys real quick that we want you to get subscribed to our other podcasts at cleveland.com. Everybody's getting their own feeds now. So um, wherever you are subscribed... If you're subscribed to Buckeye Talk, at least on Google Play or the Apple Podcasts, you now can also subscribe to the Wine and Gold Podcast. Search for that, Wine and Gold Talk Podcast. That's our Cavs podcast, which is like you have to be listening to Joe Varden and Chris Fedor on the Cavs, who are like the most interesting team in the NBA, um, coming off this big win at Boston with the new lineup. And that's going to be part of what my point is about the Cavs in Ohio State. You can listen to Orange and Brown Talk, separate feed. Look for that. Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. That's the Browns, Mary Kay Cabot, Dan Labe. And then you can look for our Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcasts. Joe Noga, Paul Hoynes, spring training right around the corner. Make sure you get caught up with the Indians. Those guys have separate feeds, and I'm going to get my own feed for Takes by the Lake. Um, 
But that's still coming along. That's still coming along. I didn't know all this. Good. Yeah, yeah. So we all have our own feeds now so that you guys can find us and subscribe separately and only get what you want to get. And we know you want Buckeye Talk, so we appreciate that. So um, recruiting. That is uh, – th- this Gaffney recruitment, and that's where I want to start. They have not – when they've had some of the five stars in the past couple of years that they didn't get. Um. And you say, you know what? I mean, again, sometimes if you're a five-star, Carolina or Duke or Kansas or Kentucky or somebody's going to come in here and grab you, mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean that Ohio State basketball stinks. It doesn't mean Ohio State basketball can't recruit. But there's also the point that you hope you hope Ohio State can at least be competitive in those races and that they, that they win some sometimes. You know, they Jared Selinger grew up in the shadow of Ohio State. Still not a guarantee. It's not a given. His brother went to Ohio State. It's not a hundred percent guarantee. It's not a given. They got him. And Jared Sullinger changed Ohio State basketball for two years. Imagine if Jared Sullinger hadn't come to Ohio State for those two seasons. Those two seasons, when as a freshman they were the best team in the country and got knocked out in the Sweet Sixteen, and as a sophomore they made the Final Four. They don't do either of those two things or come close to it without Jared Sullinger. So these guys make a difference. Kata Bates Diop as a borderline five star. Mm-hmm. From Chicago. Thad Mata went and got him. Imagine. Imagine. It's like Chris Holman's a genius and deserves all the credit in the world. Imagine. Imagine. They're 13-1 and in the Big Ten? Yeah. What's your five-second answer on just take him off the roster? Replace him with a replacement-level player. Replace him with a guy who scores like 12 points a game. What's Ohio State? Instead of 13-1 and in the Big Ten right now, what are they? Uh, I think uh, seven and seven is being optimistic. Okay, so that's what we're talking about. Yeah, doesn't make Chris Holman's the same coach. Jay Sean Tate's the same hard nosed player. Five stars make a difference. You're talking about you're just talking about last season. Yeah, no, I know. Well, yeah, right, exactly. But again, I mean, it's like I'm like a players matter. Yeah, players matter. Coaching matters. Culture matters. Players matter the most. So Alonzo Gaffney. How would you give people who are not 100% recruiting experts sort of the Alonzo Gaffney background and then just describe how, – how would you describe how important he is to Ohio State basketball? Okay, so uh, he's a five-star forward from Garfield Heights, uh, played at Villa Angela St. Joseph in Cleveland early in his career, then transferred to Garfield Heights. Um, he's, I think he's the number 18 player in the country. Um, number one player in Ohio, obviously. He is, uh, in a lot of ways, he, I watched, went and watched him play a couple weeks ago. He reminds me of Keita. He's Keita, but more athletic. Like, has a lot of bounce to him. Um, I think maybe maybe doesn't have some of the finishing skills you see with Keita that he has now, but Alonzo Gaffney is also a high school junior, and Keita Bates Diop is a fourth-year college player. Um, but Alonzo Gaffney can shoot the three. Um, he'll, he can guard... The perimeter, he can guard it inside. He's a very long six foot nine. Um, he's just like I don't know. It's like I don't. This is just like to describe playing style and body type and not ceiling. But he's like Kevin Durant. Like he plays a Kevin Durant style game, which is like you see a lot of guys who are like positionless, super long, and you put them anywhere. Um, so that's what he is from like a, a style uh, stylistic standpoint. Um, and then he's the best player in Ohio, and Chris Holtman needs to make a splash in Ohio recruiting. He stood at the podium when Gene Smith hired him in June and said they're going to put a wall around Ohio. 
putting a wall around Ohio means getting Alonzo Gaffney, and everybody wants him. Carolina's pushing really hard for him, and Carolina's had a lot of success in the state in the last couple of recruiting cycles, including beating out Ohio State for a legacy in Jeremiah Francis. Um, so it's important. It's the most important recruiting battle, if you want to call it that, whatever, recruitment of Chris Holtman's early tenure. Um, and, but they're treating it as such. Like, they're not – and you can correct me if I'm wrong because I wasn't covering the team like when – I think the last in-state five-star Ohio State got was Jared Sullinger. And there have been a couple since then. Like, Carlton Bragg was a five-star. Luke Kennard was a five-star. Um, that might be it. That might know. be. Issa Ahmad was close to a five-star, but he wasn't. Uh, but I think, there. I guess what the point I'm getting at is, with Ohio's best players, say, from, like, 20, what, 2012 to this, this past year, I guess, before the coaching change was made, there were some belief on a part of Ohio State fans that maybe Ohio State was not aggressive as it should have been in going after those players because maybe there was some assumption either like we're just not going to get them or they're in Ohio we don't have to recruit those guys as hard do you think that's true um I mean it's hard a lot of the I mean we've talked about this a lot and I've written I've written about it a lot I mean a lot of the guys that they missed out on Trey Burke Nigel Hayes Aaron White um are some of the guys that like I think that like they just took a guy over Trey Burke. Like it wasn't exactly those like, are lower recruited. Those are yeah, three star guys. Yeah, you know, but so th- those those are kind of the guys that like like is what got him in trouble a little bit. Like yeah. again, like Luke Kennard went to Duke, and Luke Kennard from Cincinnati, which is like, I mean, if Luke Kennard, if you want to be mad at a school for not getting Luke Kennard, like be mad at Cincinnati or Xavier. I don't know. Like, they, yeah, Xavier's the number three team in the country. They didn't get Luke, Kinnard. and he's in the NBA now. It's a long time ago. And Carlton Bragg. I mean, that would have been a great guy for Ohio State to get, but he didn't work out of Kansas, and he's bounced around, so it wasn't like he hasn't been a superstar. Um, right. So, so yeah, I mean, I think um, I think they got caught in between where they were not the last couple of years. Again, the, 2012 is their last Big Ten title. Since then, they, they weren't quite good enough to compete for five stars in Ohio. And yet they they kind of maybe weren't all in enough on some of the like three and a half and four and four and a half star guys. Yeah. So the result was what the result has been. But um, I think of all the things, like of all the things, right? I mean, Alonzo Gaffney. If Alonzo Gaffney was making his college decision last year, what are the chances that he would have gone to Ohio State? Like zero, less than zero. Just because like it wasn't cool. It yeah. wasn't fun. It wasn't the place to be, which is what you wrote after the Iowa game, mm-hmm. and he was there. Yeah, he was there, and it wasn't the first time he was there. And and I, like the point I was getting to is, and maybe it's not a, a like a fair comparison that I was going to make, but my point was that this Ohio State staff is recruiting Alonzo Gaffney like very aggressively, like the way. I don't know. The way you would have recruit a five star who's from out of state, you have to work a little harder to get because he is not in here. Like they're recruiting him as if he were from like I don't know Texas. A five star from Texas that you have to have. That's how they're recruiting him, and they've been recruiting him not longer than everyone else, obviously, because Chris Holtman just got here in June. But and I think I might have said this on the last podcast. Alonzo Gaffney like exploded last summer. He was not a five star prospect last year, and he is now, and he's a top twenty national player. And Ohio State has been recruiting him very hard, like maybe since right before he blew up. Um, 
So if you want to consider like look before before blowing up and after blowing up, Ohio State has been in it as much as anybody after blowing up. Um, I don't know how many times Chris Holman is going to watch them, but it's been a lot. And like we said before, Sonny Johnson, his high school coach, is an Ohio State nut, and he would love, love nothing more than to have Alonzo Gaffney go to Ohio State and be like the first of 49 players from Garfield Heights to go to Ohio State. Um, so, yeah, it's just I think they're in a good spot with him. There's a lot of time between now and when 2019 players have to make a decision, and I have no reason to believe that like any kind of decision is imminent for Alonzo Gaffney. Um but I think I think they're if like if trends with like the last coaching staff would have just made you feel like they're not going to get a lot of Gaffney. Like why am I even worrying about it? Um, pay attention to it. So, but it's not that I always get screwed up on recruiting cycles. Okay, so what year is it? Is 2018 right now? So November. So th- this the current year is 2018. He's a current junior. He's a current junior. He's so. playing his junior year of basketball. Correct. But the early signing day for basketball is in November. It's like right before the season starts. Yeah. So he is in the final stages of the last high school basketball he will season he will play without being signed somewhere. Unless he wants to sign in April, but I don't Which almost nobody does. Yeah, it's it's rare that that happens. So they are putting. What was you were at the game? Like Holtman and who else was there? Which Holtman was there. Um, John Gross from Akron was there, but he's not recruiting Alonzo Gaffney. Uh, Bob Huggins was there, and those were the head coaches that I saw. Oh, uh, Keith Dambrot was there. He's not recruiting Alonzo Gaffney at the did, did Holtman bring any assistance? No, I was a little surprised by that. But they like had just practiced. It was it was weird. Like I didn't. Uh, I knew that Chris Holtman was going to the game, but I also knew that they were practicing that day. So I was on my way up there, and someone was like, Chris Holtman's here. I was like, how is Chris Holtman there? Like, they just got done practicing. He must have – like, the only way he's there is if he flew. And then, like, he flew. Yeah. <laughs> um, he flew by himself. So, no, the resistance weren't there for that one. Okay. Um, it was just him. But uh, – um, so there – so it's February, and Alonzo Gaffney is going to decide in November. And, before. And it's – or before. And he's the most important recruit for this Ohio State basketball program in a couple of years. And, and they've yep. – I mean, the one th- – Thad did get – I mean, Thad got the best player in the state a lot. You know, Mark Caleb Loving, Wesson was the best player in the state. Yeah, Caleb Wesson. And Caleb Wesson was, like, never going anywhere than Ohio State. And Ohio State was bad. Mm-hmm. And they got Caleb Wesson. And guess what? Caleb Wesson is making a difference as a freshman. Yep. You know, like, Mark Loving was the best player in Ohio, and he signed with Ohio State when he was, like, in ninth grade. And we mm-hmm. know he didn't maybe have a career here that people wanted – but he scored a lot of points. He was like their best player for two years, and he was from Ohio. You know, William Buford was like the best player in Ohio. Costa Kufis was the best player in Ohio. B.J. Mullins was the best. They got these guys a lot yeah. at their best. And even at their worst, sometimes they did. I mean, again, it's like you don't want to – Caleb Weston's a top 100 player who grew who's from Westerville in the suburbs of Columbus – but just wait, you know, wait till a Westerville kid goes to Kansas, and then wait for everyone to go nuts. Like you can't take anybody for granted. I was trying to remember if Jay Sean was the best player in Ohio. Yeah, Jay Sean Tate. I mean, Jay Sean Tate has held this program together with toothpicks and bubble gum for four years. <laughs> and yeah, he's from Pickerington. But again, yeah, he was. He and he could have gone somewhere else. He was number one, and Vince Edwards at Purdue was number two that year, twenty fourteen. So, so Gaffney is a big, big freaking deal. For like, because he's a five-star, because he's the best player in Ohio, and because of what the roster is going to look like too. Um, there's going to be a lot of roster turnover. And 
adding a player like Gaffney, who's going to be an impact player as a freshman, will keep you from like having a couple down years possibly with such a young team. Who else? And Gaffney was there at the game and took a picture with Michi and Justin Aarons. Justin Aarons, yeah, who's a 2018 commit. Yeah. Um, who else was at the game? Well, who else? Who else are the people? Okay, so who are the people that you think can be impacted the most by Ohio State is cool, Ohio State is fun, I want to go there, I don't have because here's the thing, right? And we saw it, and we talked about it on our last podcast on the football one on signing day with kids flipping to Georgia, it's yep. like Georgia kids flipping to Georgia. It's like there, Ohio State had a kid committed from Georgia. But he committed before Georgia was good again. Georgia football and Ohio State basketball is a very it, nice comparison in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. So you commit to Ohio State, and then it's like, wow, Georgia's really good. Wow, Ohio State didn't make the playoff, but Georgia did. Wow, Georgia's playing for the national title. Why am I leaving? Oh, I'm not going to leave. I'm going to go to Georgia. I don't have to go to Ohio State to play for a cool, fun place that can win a national title. I can do it right here in my own state. Is Do you feel like that's the vibe that Ohio State is now giving off? It's cool, it's fun, I can win a national title, I don't have to leave, and who do you think that would have the most, if they are giving that off, if they're already there, who would that have the most, the greatest effect on beyond Gaffney, like, immediately? Um, it's hard to say, like, I don't... The problem with 2019, because let's say this, like they have four players signed for 2018, and they're not going to add another high school player. Just run through that again quick. They have four players signed in the class of 2018, and they have one scholarship spot available, two if Kata Bates-Diop turns pro. I think you could see them use both of those spots, but if they do, I think they will be used on grad transfers, um, one a grad transfer guard, um, because Andrew Dockage is going after this year too, and C.J. Jackson will again need help. And who are those four guys? Justin Aarons. From who, Ohio. Who's a wing from Versailles, Ohio. It's Versailles, right? I don't know. Right? Um, Luther Muhammad, who's the highest rated player in the class. He's a guard from New Jersey. Jaden Lede, who is a forward from Texas. And uh, Dwayne Washington? Yeah, Dwayne Washington, a uh, combo guard, who was originally from Michigan, but is Derek Fisher's nephew. So he's living with Derek Fisher in California and playing his last year of high school basketball there. Um, so those are the four guys who have already signed. They'll be here next year. Um, and like I said, they have two spots. And just Chris Holman has been like very upfront that he doesn't want to bring in five freshmen. He would like to avoid bringing in five freshmen. Doesn't mean like something might happen crazy and they do it depending on who becomes available. Um, but just I, because he wants to keep the classes balanced. Yeah, like he doesn't want to bring in five freshmen and then have them all transfer within two years. Because Thad was like Thad was out of balance all the time. Right. Thad was like six, two, five, none, six, three, zero, one. Eight. Like, yeah, I think Holman wants between two and four every year. It's if you can do it. Yeah, it makes life easier. Yeah, so I think that's the plan. And if you bring in grad guys, it doesn't throw that off. Then they could do like a traditional sit out one year transfer with one of those spots. That they end up with two with Kate possibly turning pro. Um, but anyway, so that could leave a scenario like in 2019 where they only have maybe two spots, two or three spots. So 2019 is not going to be a very big recruiting class. And Alonzo Gaffney is the, is the number one guy. Um, the guy who I think is most interesting in 2019, and we've talked about him before. We did an entire podcast about this when he committed to North Carolina. Is Jeremiah Francis, whose dad played at Ohio State, and I don't know, like I don't, I don't have inside information on if that door is opened or can be opened. Um, 
But Jeremiah Francis, if you follow his Twitter account, knows what's going on with Ohio State basketball. He does? Yeah. Why would I leave? Um, yeah, so Jeremiah Francis is Brenton Cox. Um, Write that down. Right, yeah. Jeremiah Francis. <laughs> okay. So he, like, he's the most interesting guy. They, I mean, they've offered a bunch of guys. I have the list. And Francis, if Gaffney's a top 20 guy, Francis is a what? Top? Francis is uh, a four-star prospect, number two player in Ohio, number 48 overall in the country, number five point guard. Okay. And, and he I was would, a guy, like, I think for a while, even before the coaching change happened, I think people just thought he was going to come to Ohio State because he had not been shy about how much he loves Ohio State. And he's from Pickerington. He's a local guy, at least from their backyard. He, and it's Whatever, he's committed to Carolina. He clearly still likes Ohio State. Because here's, here's the thing, like, right? I think this happens sometimes. I love Ohio State, but my God, how can I turn down Carolina? It's yeah. Carolina. But the way you can turn it down is, this, is if Ohio State's better than Carolina. Right. And like right now, in the latest uh, rankings from the seating committee, Carolina's 12th and Ohio State's 14th. So they're... They're right in the, but when Ohio State is losing to Rutgers in the first round of the Big Ten tournament, it's like, I don't care how much I love Ohio State. I can't go there if they're like this. I don't know if they're going to turn it around. I can't turn down Carolina. And now you can. Now you can. You have permission. Beating Purdue, being alone in first place in the Big Ten, gives Jeremiah Francis' permission to not go to Carolina. Right. So, and I don't want to get people's hopes up. I do. We did a whole podcast, and I said it was outrageous. How can they let this guy go? they got to get him back. Yeah, but I also, I also don't know, like, honestly, what this staff's philosophy is on, like, trying to chase guys like that. Like, Flip them. Uh, ask them if they're flippers. All right, we got to get a flipper question in. Yeah, but I mean, it is an important, like, especially when you have a class that's going to be as small as your 2019 class could be. If it's only two guys and you go all in on trying to flip Jeremiah Francis and then you don't flip him in the end, and then what do you do? So it's, it's, I think it's a difficult thing for them to balance potentially. Um, but I would be surprised if there's not a phone call or like a nudge and like, hey, man, would you be interested in talking to us again? Um, so it's just something to keep an eye on, like, like keep that name in mind, Jeremiah Francis. Um, I feel like you should call Jeremiah Francis and ask him what he's thinking. Okay, I'll call him. I'll call him this week. We, Jeremiah, I, I, just, wondering, interesting. just he's, wondering. He's very, like, I like, I've talked to him a few times and I like talking to him. Um, I'll be interested, like, if he'd be willing to talk. Because it is, like, I think, I think a weird thing that happens in recruiting, and, like, it's not the player's fault, but I think it's, like, I contact a kid and say like, Hey, I cover Ohio state for cleveland.com. Like they, in some way, like think that I'm affiliated with Ohio state. Like clearly I'm not, but there's, right. there's like some feeling, I think some part of the time where like I'm talking to this reporter who covers Ohio state. He wants me to go to Ohio state, which is true for some people who cover recruiting. It's not true for me. I don't care where you go. Right. Um, but we wouldn't, if you wouldn't call him, if he was only interested in North Carolina, Kansas and Clemson. Yeah. But I think like if I, if, yeah, if I, it's possible that like I like hey Jeremiah I want to talk to you about Ohio State but, like you're not persuading me to go to Ohio State like that's not really what I want, what I want to do right. but I think it's possible. Um, so anyway, Gaffney and Francis are the two names that I would keep in mind, and then I don't know they have a bunch of offers out in 2019. Um, Andre Gordon is a kid from Ohio who's a three star guard who does not have an offer, but he was at the game the other night. He's from Sydney, Ohio. He's really interesting actually. He's a two sport athlete who I thought for a while might be on the radar to get an Ohio State football offer. He's like just like a crazy athlete. I think he plays quarterback in high school. 
Um, but he's a little small to do that at Ohio State. Um, let's see. Trace, Dave, Trace Jackson Davis is a center from Indiana who's a four-star prospect. Um, Armand Franklin's another guard from Indi- Indianapolis who's a four-star prospect. Um, but they're kind of all over the place. I don't know if they've really zeroed in on who the top guys are for 2019, like outside of Gaffney. Because um, I do think it's a little early for that. Um, not early, but I think they're trying to figure out who they're going to add for the like the transfer guys in the 2018 class before they kind of go all in on finding someone else other than Gaffney in 2019. And do you think it changes? I mean, like as this season happens, Oh, they offered someone too. I should say they offered, I just didn't have on my list. Cause I've got to update it. Um, Joe Gerard. And I was reading his name wrong. Oh, he's from New York and his name is Joe Gerard. Like in my head, I was like, it's Joe Girardi's son, <laughs> but it's not uh, Joe Gerard. Who's like three star guard from, New York, who someone sent me a tweet yesterday. He's a junior and he's got like 3,000 points. Um, he's a shooter and like, yeah, then they need that on this team. So he was visiting for the Iowa game and he got offered on Saturday. Okay. So he's another guy to keep in mind. Is he related to Red Gerard, Cleveland, Cleveland gold snowboarder. medal snowboarder? He's not. Spelled different. Um, their recruiting profile has changed while they re- they've been recruiting. Yeah. Like like the thing when they contacted if they got here and started contacting kids and were like, Hey guys, we're the new staff because last year they only won seventeen games and they <laughs> lost the Rutgers in the first round of the Big Ten tournament and you guys want to be a Buckeyes? And now it's like, yo, we're in first place, we just beat Purdue. Right? I mean, like that does that recalibrate? Do they have to I mean obviously you do it on the fly, but especially if the two thousand nineteen class is gonna be tiny, is it possible like okay, so Gaffney's Gaffney's their guy. They really want Gaffney. You you imagine? I just you have to imagine. There's some. There's at least a glimmer of hope with Francis. But there could there be some guy like another top thirty guy who like mm. who like they tried to call when they got here who like wouldn't take their calls and they'll try to call again. And I mean, maybe he'll answer. I, I don't I don't know who that guy is, but uh, I guess like that's certainly possible. The one I I do think that. Chris Holtman and his staff have like a specific way they like to recruit in mind. And like the number one rule is like, don't reach for guys just based on talent. So I think even with the success of the program, and even if they are able to sell this program to a McDonald's all American from California, who like might be interested in listening to Ohio state because he thinks Katie Bates Diop is going to be gone. And Jay Shantae is going to be gone. And the ball can be his next year. Um, maybe it is possible that the door opens for a guy like that, but I'm not so sure they would take a guy like that. I think they want to make sure that they stay, and it's like a corny thing to say, but like stay true to who they've been as recruiters, who they were at Butler, and who, like Gardner Webb's a different animal, obviously. It's a completely different level of basketball, but they just have specific, certain recruit, recruiting philosophies that I think will not change based on the program success. It doesn't mean more doors won't open for them, but I don't think they're going to change like the type of guys they're trying to attract, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's uh, good as a base philosophy. As long as you're willing to have an exception every now and then. Yeah, like yeah. you can't, like, yeah. But, and if maybe, LeBron James wants to come to Ohio State and you think LeBron James is a jerk, uh, take LeBron James. Right. <laughs> and, and that, that, and maybe you don't do it in a two-man class right now, but but in a four-man class in 2020, maybe you could take a flyer on a kid who's like, oh, yeah. I don't know, but like, you know. Yeah. Because um, the other thing is too, and I don't want. <clears throat> I feel like I'm the official. Uh, I'm the official 
first round loss to a 13 seed in Boise, like damper on the Ohio State basketball season. But they're probably not going to be as good next year as they are this year. Uh, it depends on what Kata does. What's your, okay, I'll let that hang out there, and I'll make you <laughs> give a percent right now on Kata staying. The percent chance that Kata stays um, as we see here today. And then we'll get to one other thing and then questions. Twenty-eight percent. Okay. I I think it's uh, he's not a lottery pick. He's not a lottery pick, but he's also dealt with some like not yeah. uh, well. Actually, you say, like, he's had one very significant injury and like got sick his sophomore year. Um, but he since had had, had one um, significant injury. He was he broke his leg. Um, I don't know. I don't, he just doesn't strike me as a guy who's like automatically going to go because he can go. Because, like you said, he's not a lottery pick, and like maybe he could be if he played another year. So, um, yeah, I don't think it's totally set in stone. That, like, I don't know what was what the people think Jared was going to be when he came back for a sophomore year. Did they think he was a lottery pick? Yeah, out the door as a freshman, and then he wasn't lottery pick. Came back, got to the Final Four, had back problems, and went in the twenties, and would have gone in the lottery if he had gone. Yeah, like I would, I would not describe Kate Bates Diop as injury prone. I think he had one injury. Um, so I don't know if it's like, I don't consider like a very similar situation to that. Like, Oh, you saw what happened to Jared. So he's not going to come back. Um, I think, yeah, I would, I would put his percent chance of staying maybe a little higher than other people would. I'll say like close to 30%. Does it matter? And, and that's, I'm going to give a little nod here. Maybe there's a senior day story or something to be written. You're doing a Jay Sean senior day story. I am. So what was the recruiting class that exploded for Thad? The 2015 class exploded. Yeah, the okay. 14 class was the was a good one. Yeah, let's give one little nod, one last nod to the 2014 class. The number 16 overall player in the country, D'Angelo Russell, mm-hmm. five-star. The number 29 overall player in the country, Kata Bates-Diop. And the number 58 overall player in the country, Jay Sean Tate. And then the number 189 player, David Bell, who transferred. But Russell, Bates, Diop, Tate, like in three very different ways. I think if you want to look it up, you could argue. There's a way that you could argue. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I'm trying to think like maybe, maybe, maybe Jared Sullinger, Deshaun Thomas, Aaron Kraft as a threesome in that recruiting class. But like who was like with Odin and Conley and uh, Deshaun, Deshaun David Lighty would have been the next one because it's like Odin and Conley were one year wonders who yeah. were the first and fourth picks and led them to the national title game and David Lighty stayed for five years and was like one of the great players in program history and Kukla after one year too right? and Kukla after one year but it's like again like that Lighty Lighty and Odin and Conley were very different but Lighty in his own way was even more valuable that it's like Russell was only here one year Tate's been here for four. Bates Diop's been here for four, but really only had one great year. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, but that's a hell of a thing. I mean, again, that's it's like Ohio recruiting is great. D'Angelo's from Louisville. Kata Bates Diop is from Illinois, and Jay Sean's from down the road. So I mean, like that's that's how you do it. Yeah, it's good balance. Like that's some, you know, the 15 class exploded. The 14 class was like unbelievable, mm-hmm. and they thought when they got D'Angelo that he was going to be a two year guy. They didn't think he'd be a one year guy. 
So, yeah. like, I mean, think about that now. It's like, okay, what do we have? If the, De- you know what I mean? Like, because Kata, this is Kata's fourth year. Yeah. But he was sick his second year. So his freshman, his freshman year, like he he played, I think in almost every game, but he was behind like Sam Thompson and like Mark Loving played ahead of him too. Yeah. Um, his sophomore year, he played, and I think he averaged like nine points per game, maybe maybe a little more than that. And then at the end of the year, he got mono, so like he didn't play in the NIT. Basically, I think he might have missed the last regular season game and they didn't play in the NIT. Or no, he played in the Big Ten tournament. And they didn't play in the NIT. Okay, maybe I'm wrong with that. He definitely didn't play in the NIT. But that wasn't like he missed his entire season. It was just like he got sick at the end of the year. And then his junior year, he had a stress fracture in the summer, like tried to play through it, and also had like a pretty nasty ankle injury, and then they shut him down. And he had surgery. But like there's a world where it's like D'Angelo stays for his second year, Kata like develops a little faster, Jay Sean's Jay Sean, and like that year, like they do some stuff. Yeah. Instead of instead of getting in the at the NIT because D'Angelo's gone. Kata hasn't come along as fast. There was nobody ready to to carry things that sec like what would have been D'Angelo's second year. And who knows what Kata would have been like if he would have been playing off D'Angelo instead of like yeah, trying yeah. to do it. Yeah. So anyway, just a nod to that recruiting class. Um let me do my Cavs Ohio State comparison very quickly and then we'll do questions. Questions. Here's my point. Everyone's excited because the Cavs got a, rid of a bunch of like energy guys, energy sucking guys, and and added guys who give energy instead of take it. And you saw what happened immediately with the Celtics, and that's what Ohio State is. The end. Yeah. <laughs> like who's you, the who's the Jetty Osman of? Uh, or is it Osman or Osman? Dockich. Oh yeah. Except Dockich wouldn't uh, try to dunk from the free throw line and miss it on a fast break. No, but Chetty also would stand up on the bench and accidentally get passed to. I missed <laughs> that when it happened live. Like, I just had my head down and was finishing off my instant game story that I write. And then I went back and watched it this morning. That was one of the funniest things I've ever seen on the basketball. I've never seen that happen before, have you? No, I haven't seen it either. But, <laughs> that was so funny. Um, so, yeah, so, like, that's – I think there's a lot of it. It's, you know, whatever. It's like, oh, Cavs and Ohio State are near each other. So let's compare them, even though – the NBA and college basketball have nothing to do with each other. But if you are excited about the rejuvenation of the Cavs, I think you can be because I think Ohio State is the same thing happened. It was just was one season to the next, not like one game to the next at the trade deadline. But it's, you know, a lot of the same guys, but you take a couple guys off the board. Yeah. You know, and it's like you add a little bit, but it's really more about what you take away. I mean, you have an example right here with Ohio State of, of what kind of impact that had. So I think if you watch both Ohio State and the Cavs, I think you know what I'm talking about. And it's just, it's like, what happened to this team? And it's like, it's just, it's. I mean, it is. It's addition by subtraction. And it frees up everybody else who is being dragged down. They're just like, they're, they're, they're released. They're out in the wild again. And that's what's happening. So let's do some questions. Okay, um, Drizzy gets busy. Drizzy! So he asked a question that I actually don't like, but... No, 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 don't tell him that. Well, but, no, it's not, it's not, I understand why, why, because he wasn't the only one who asked a, like a very similar question. His question was like, when, what round do I take Ohio State to in my NCAA tournament bracket? And like, the answer is, I have no idea. 
because like do like like you said at the beginning, like I think they are talented enough to get to the second weekend and possibly pass that, but it matters too much who they play. I, I think like Duke and Kentucky and maybe not Kentucky this year, but like Duke and Villanova and Kansas and whoever, like maybe it doesn't matter so much who they play on the first week of the tournament. I still think Ohio State, for as good as the season has been, it matters the kind of team they get matched up against. Well, again, for, let's do that really quick. Yeah. For instance, say Ohio State's a four seed and their five is Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> or even like West Virginia. And it's just like. I don't know. I don't even know anything about Kentucky. Is Kentucky even ranked? They're having a bad year, right? Yeah. The kind of team that would give Ohio State problems is a team that generates a lot of turnovers and a team that has big guards. Which is why Illinois almost beat Ohio State, even though Illinois stinks. And which is why Penn State beat Ohio State. is because it's just like matchups matter. So that and Penn State is not a good matchup for them. And I even think Indiana is not a great matchup for them, which is why the Indiana game got a little wonky for a little bit. And I suspect that when they play in Bloomington in a couple weeks. doesn't mean Ohio State's bad. It just means, like, every team has weaknesses. Um, but I did go through, because I knew there were a lot of questions like this, um, and, like, look, just looked at Bracket Matrix and, like, seen some of the – looked at some of the teams who were being projected to be either first-round opponent – potential first-round opponents, potential second-round opponents for Ohio State, and, like, marked off, like, which of these teams is really good at generating turnovers and which of these teams has, like, My God. big guards. I know. You know what you can do on Kempom that I really like? And I think this is, like, Kempom always listed teams by, like, you can see, like, who's the biggest team by height. Oh, you yeah. You do, like, height and experience. I think he changed it and, like, made it, uh, like, provided more information because now you can look at height by position. So oh. like, you can see, like, which team has the most height at point guard, which team has the most height at shooting guard. Um, so I went through, like, I went through the 14, 12, 13, 14, 5, 6, and 11 seeds. Now, let's just, I want you people to appreciate this. This is some in-depth stuff. You had to wait an hour and a half to get it. But listen up to this stuff. Here we go. So, like, this might sound crazy, but for instance, if they are a three seed, and, like, Montana is a 14 seed, Montana is number 27 in the country at generating turnovers. I just don't, like, I'm not saying Montana will beat Ohio State, but when you said Ohio State's going to go to Boise and lose to a 14 seed, like, this is the kind of thing we're talking about. Um, Loyola Chicago has very big guards. Um, Rhode Island, who Ohio State wouldn't play in the first round, but could very well play in the second round if they win their first round game, is number six in the country at generating turnovers. They're a very high-pressure team, like Illinois. Seton Hall has good guard play, good big guard play. Virginia Tech, Louisville, Kentucky, Creighton, Gonzaga. We saw how much of our Gonzaga killed Ohio State because Gonzaga's size was too much for Ohio State to deal with. And yes, Ohio State's a different team. Gonzaga didn't get smaller. And so Gonzaga's that, projected as a six right now. Gonzaga, right. like Ohio State couldn't handle Gonzaga, right? Yep. Couldn't handle him. Could definitely be a situation where Ohio State's a three and their second round game is against number six Gonzaga. Sure. And, and they're an underdog. Yeah. And it's not to say, like, Ohio State's getting bounced in the first round. It's just to say, like, it's a, it's hard to predict how far they can go in the NCAA tournament because we don't know who they're playing and they could potentially be playing a team that is a very bad matchup for them. And, and again, it's one of those things. You, it's easy to forget sometimes how good that, that second round team is. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, there's only 32 teams left at that point. But if Ohio State's a three or a four, they're playing a top 25 team in the second round. Mm-hmm. And again, I've made this example before, but like 
I think a lot of people are comparing this team to the 2006 Ohio State team, the Terrence Diles, Jaquel Foster, J.J. Sellinger Ohio State team. There was a two seed, and their seven seed was Georgetown with Roy Hibbert and Jeff Green. And it was like, well, we don't have that. So, again, you, you mentioned bracket matrix. It's like Kentucky's projected as a five seed, right? Yeah. Gonzaga's projected as a six seed. Like, Wichita State's projected as a seven seed. Like, there's... Seton Hall's a six seed, and Seton Hall's very good. Butler's a seven seed. There is... Whose bracket was it? I think it was... I think it was Jerry Palm's bracket at CBS. Had Ohio State as a four seed, I think. Maybe it was a three seed. It doesn't matter what the seed was. The The situation was Ohio State could um, potentially play Arizona State with Mickey Mitchell, Alabama with Daniel Giddens, or Butler in the first weekend of the NCAA nice. tournament. Stories. <laughs> yeah, good stories for me to write, and also like Chris Holman's worst nightmare. Yeah. So, so we're just telling you... But, like, again, like, say they get Kentucky. Ohio State's a four and Kentucky's a five. It's like, hey, Ohio State, what's your deal? Our sixth best player is a former walk-on. Yeah. Kentucky, what's your deal? We have eight NBA guys who are kind of jerks to each other. <laughs> oh! <laughs> Wonder what's going to happen with that. But that's what happened. I mean, that happens every year. But it's like, what was the uh, – Kentucky was an eight seed and played Wichita State in the second round. Wichita State was a one seed, right? Yeah. And it's like, what's Kentucky's deal? Oh, they're just re- – they're too talented. Yeah. Oh, they got it together in the tournament? Okay. Right. It's like, you don't want to play them. So it, there are, there are going to be teams out there that as early as the second round, they could if they play a team with three NBA guys in the second round, I don't like their chances. No, neither, neither do I. And that's not like – we're not trying to poo-poo on Ohio State's success. We're just trying to tell you that the question of how far will Ohio State go in the tournament is impossible to answer because of this stuff. But then also, and again, I'm not trying to be like the, the four-seed losing Boise kind of thing, but they have like a very specific kind of thing. And I think there's one way that you can spin it. It's like, what's the deal with Ohio State? They have one really good scorer who can kind of score against anybody. Mm-hmm. And then they are like have a really good connected team that doesn't make mistakes and plays good defense. It's like, oh, that against a certain team, that's a really hard team to play. You know, I mean, you know exactly what kind of team that is. It's not a three NBA guy kind of team. It's like a team with like one and a half NBA guys who are a bunch of knuckleheads and throw alley-oops to each other that never work. And it's like they're more talented than Ohio State across the board, but like Ohio State beats them by 15. Yeah. Like that's on the table. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that was a terrible matchup for that team, you know, because that team likes to get out and run or whatever. And it's like Ohio State made them play half-court offense and locked them down and they never had a chance. But then there's also the other teams that are just like they're going to out-talent you and there's nothing you can do because they're out over their skis a little bit on, on what you thought they'd be. Yeah. So anyway, Drizzy asked two questions. How far should I put Ohio State in my bracket? And what, who are the teams Ohio State can't beat guaranteed? Which is, again, an impossible question to answer. But those types of teams. Purdue. Yeah. Said they beat them. I mean, it is – yeah. Somebody else uh, – I mean, the four best teams in the country are Villanova, Virginia, Xavier, and Purdue. I mean, the, f- the four best – and Villanova, I know. Like, Villanova's national champion. Is that right? Mm-hmm. No, North Carolina won last year. Villanova won the year before. Villanova won before. But I'm just saying, like, but Villanova doesn't necessarily win with five NBA guys either. No, they have, like, maybe two or three. But, like, the four best teams in the country aren't Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, and Arizona, which sometimes they are, you know. Mm-hmm. So. G. Nilly asked, what type of team would be the worst round of 32 team for Ohio State to face? A West Virginia team with its full court press. Like, yeah. I would if I I don't want to see anything resembling West Virginia in the style they play if I'm Ohio State. Um, it's just it's it's problematic for them. They don't have great ball handlers. 
even though their point guard play is better than anyone thought it would be, and they can put Jackson and Dockic on the floor together, that would still be a little much. I mean, CJ Jackson, we were talking about the Illinois game, worked his butt off to try to deal with that press. Yeah, and that's what, and that's and West Virginia is Illinois times hundred, right? So um, it's Illinois with better players. Um, so yeah, that's just like the, that's the kind of stuff we're talking about. So let me go back to the bottom. Nate Miller said, um, he said obviously the bracket preview today was meaningless, but is Ohio State being ranked 14 and under evaluation of the Big Ten? Or the committee just not taking this week's games into account? Uh, I think neither. I think the Big Ten is being appropriately evaluated. Um, it's not, like I said, it's not a particularly deep league. I think maybe it's a little overall stronger than people want to give it credit for, but it's very top-heavy. Um, and the middle is just like, okay, so. Yeah. No, then, I don't, I mean, that's, it, it's not, I mean, it's one of those things. You can't. It's almost the way that fresh that question is phrased is like maybe they're under evaluating the Big Ten now, but like they'll change their. This is what they think. Yeah, their their opinion of the Big Ten will not change. So it is what it is. So like, take that to the bank. Yeah. Like the second part of his question was not taking this week's games into account. They are taking this week's games into account. Um, and Jerry Palm at CBS had a very good uh, story at CBSSports.com of like the information that the selection committee like takes in as they're making all these decisions, and there's a lot of it. Um, but one point he made was that the team sheets used to have like team's record in the last 12 games or team's record in the last 10 games, and they don't have that anymore because I don't think they want recency bias to creep into these this decision making. So, but they used to. It wasn't even recent. I mean, they used to. They used to give credit to if you're playing better lately, that mattered. Yeah, I think they they don't want it that way anymore. Do you think that's reasonable, or do you think that should come into play? No, I probably think it should come into play a little bit. Um, I think, and it's the same way in football. Like you should have the opportunity to show that you were a change team, and it's not. This isn't saying you don't. Um, it's just saying that, like again, beating Purdue in February does not erase losing by thirty to Gonzaga in November. Like they both matter equally. So. This week's results were certainly taken into account. If Ohio State hadn't beat Purdue, they wouldn't be on the 14th. They wouldn't be on the four seed line. They'd be like a five or a six seed. Right. Um, so they did take it into account. It's just that that one game wasn't something that was going to get Ohio State to be in like a two seed. Um, so, yeah. Let's see. Andrew Kapersky said, knowing how Doug Maurice at Doug Maurice mm. loves questions with interesting comparisons, can we fairly say that the basketball team is on track to have a better season than the football team? And I love it because it's like you get to decide what the word better means to you. No. You do not think the basketball team is on track to have a better season than the football team? No. I mean... They're on track to win the Big Ten Championship. Which the football team did. Yes. But relative to expectations, how could you not say it was better? I mean, I guess it just matters what what better is. Um, I guess... Here, here would be my consideration because I think this is a big gap. <clears throat> and, and I guess it depends how you look at football. It depends if, in the end, Ohio State basketball is truly a national championship contender. Because I think, in the end, football was. And, and I think I say that because I think there's more than four national championship contenders every year. Because if you get in the four, it's like you made the final four. Mm-hmm. It's the final four. Like when teams make the final four in basketball, people go nuts. So your whole regular season is what gets you in the final four. There's that little tournament at the end. 
But Ohio State, like, barely made the Final Four. And going into the final day, we thought they were going to be in the Final Four. Yeah. We thought they had done enough to be a Final Four team. So they were an absolute championship contender, and we've gone over that. We think if they had played Clemson, if they had been the four and played number one Clemson, they very well would have played right with Clemson, maybe beaten them. They were The football team, in the end, was an absolute championship contender. And I know that's what their level of expectation was, but that's what they were. If the basketball team is a step short of a championship contender – like if they if they get to the, even if they get to the Sweet Sixteen and in the Sweet Sixteen they're a four and they play a one seed and it's just like yeah they're just they maxed out what they could be but they're not that then even though they're so far ahead of expectation and they would have exceeded expectation whereas the football team would have either met or been slightly under expectation I still think I draw a line on were you a championship contender. And if this basketball team in the end is not real, like you just don't feel that. Like if they lose to a one seed on a by two points in a game that could have gone either way, and you're like, wow, they lost to Villanova, and they actually were as good as Villanova. The bounce of the ball goes a different way. They can get to the Final Four, and that, then then okay. Then I'll let the expectations come in. It's almost like head-to-head. Yeah, I'm not going to have the expectations factor into my evaluation of better until I view you in the same way. And so if I view you both as legitimate championship contenders, then I'll give the better season to the team that had lower expectations. But if you're not that, and at the moment, I, I, I don't think they are, no matter, I, they're so good, I still think they're not quite that, then I'm not going to say you had a better season than a football team. That's a great question. God, you just yeah. let me talk and talk. Thank you for letting me talk. I think I disagree. Uh, yeah, I think I disagree. But well, say, say I think well. I, I think it's just because I think of it differently. Like I, I think that because of the fact that the expectations are already so low for high state basketball, that like in my mind, I I already feel like this has been a better season than a football season because no one like people expected this team to be the worst team in the Big Ten, and now they're four games away from winning a conference championship. And, and the one thing is that the football team did have a devastating low in the middle of all that. Yeah. That, like, um, there hasn't been a low to this basketball season. Yeah, they lost some games early, and that Butler loss hurt when they blew that. Yeah. But that was a really good football season that had, like, a gut punch right in the middle of it. That, like, made everybody sad, and it ruined your week at work, and you thought the season was over. And then it turned out, oh, no, it wasn't over? even though it did keep you out of the playoff in the end. But that was such a horrible, for football fans. And this basketball team has only been good feeling, good feeling, good feeling, good feeling, yeah. good feeling. And it's all like you – I don't know if it's possible to have a gut punch like that in the, in the regular season of college basketball because there's so many games. I mean, and it would have to be like – I mean, like Purdue just had a week of that. Purdue yeah. is having a great year. They just had a gut punch of a week. Yeah. You lose on a last second – you know, last second shot to Ohio State, last second shot to Michigan State – you're still the number one seed in the seeding thing, but like right now, Purdue basketball fans are kind of like, uh, even though it's been so great. Yeah. So if Ohio State, you know. Part of that is the Big Ten championship mattering, I think, more than like, like mm-hmm. you were saying earlier. Like people, they were on course to win the Big Ten title. Like, yeah, they're a number one seed, and that's going to be great for them, but they wanted to win a Big Ten championship, and now they might not. Yeah. So, and the basketball team, you know, if the basketball team, if you lose two out of three or something, then maybe it could be a gut punch, but right. they haven't been close to that. Uh, Scott King said, "Realistic chance at a two seed in the NCAA tournament? I don't think so. 
Um, I think the best they can hope for is a three seed. So you think win out? I think win Do out. Do not lose another game. Yeah, because it's not like it's not just racking up wins. It's it's who you beat, and like we were saying earlier, the opportunity for quality quality wins is not really there outside of Michigan, who you play on the road next weekend, um, and then a potential matchup with either Purdue or Michigan State in the Big Ten tournament. So there are really only two wins out there that are going to drastically change your resume and two wins aren't enough to take Ohio state from a four seed to a two seed, unless like everyone in front of them completely goes in the crapper. Right. And that I just like, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. So I don't, my chances of them getting a two seed are very low, like almost zero, zero percent. How about that? Um, Eddie Vulich. Holtman has been able to bring Jallo and Andre Wesson along really well this year. What does that mean for bringing in recruits? I think that Holtman and his staff had already had a reputation of being like pretty solid player developers, and he did it at Gardner Webb. Um, took that program like from like the the bottom of the bottom to like a competitive program within their conference, and then he was. It's not like he was given um, a bad roster at Butler, but I think people saw what he did with that program too, and he was starting to recruit at the very high level of Butler too. He his most recent recruiting class, I think it might have been Kyle Young actually. I think was on paper like the best player Butler has ever recruited, the top hundred national player. Okay, um, and maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think I think that's right. So he had, I think he already had that reputation, but obviously, like anything, he can do at Ohio State, and he's doing it. To like, and it's not just Weston and Jallo; it's CJ Jackson, and I really I don't know how much credit I give him for Kata, but I would give him credit for CJ and whatever Andrew Dockett is doing. Like, I think this is only helping them. Um, Goon at Goon4218 says, Cam Williams to the bench makes too much sense, right? Him, Potter, and Dockage make a formidable second unit with a scoring punch. Uh, I 100% agree with that. I think that's what they should do moving forward. Um, I have not asked about that yet because I don't know when Cam's coming back. I would – so it was supposed to be between three and five games. He's missed three. I think between three and five means he's going to miss four. So I would expect he will not play against Penn State but would be back for Michigan, which is a good time to get him back. Um but yeah, I, I I think that should be the move. I think Andre Wesson has shown you he's good enough to be a starter, so I would put Cam on the bench, and I think that would make their bench very good. I think that makes sense because they don't. <clears throat> Cam is was the fifth best scorer in the starting lineup anyway. Yeah. They don't need they don't need that scoring in the starting lineup. No. They could actually use a little defense, and they could use the scoring on the bench. Even though these, as we've been talking about, these guys have been doing a little more, and he's used to that role. I think it does make a lot of sense. And, and again. I don't even know who was, was was Cam playing at the end of games anyway. I mean, not always, like, no. So I mean, it's when like, they had their defensive lineup out there. Cam was not part of that group. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think I think that will happen. I actually would be quite surprised if that didn't happen. Cam to the bench. Um, Scott Duda said, "How many more losses would this team have if the baggage from last season in parentheses he said unnamed were still on the team? Uh, it's not just talent, but chemistry within the group, right? Yeah, hundred percent." I think it's like almost 50-50, maybe even more 60-40 chemistry than it is talent with this team. Would you agree with that? I mean, like with the caveat that like Kate is nuts, but yeah. 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 I mean, and, and it's hard. It's hard. I, I, Jaquan Lyle was a problem. I mean, like opposing coaches come in and say it. And when loving. the guy, when the, but especially, and loving, and Trevor Thompson. Let's go with the ball. Yeah. The guy with the ball on his hands, like took bad shots. Seemed more concerned with his own stats than with the team a lot of times. I mean, that's an issue. That is a problem. I don't think CJ would have developed the way he's developed if, like, the shadow of Jaquan Lyle was still here. Yeah. 
you know, the idea of like if the whole offense is like running through Kata, would Jaquan Lyle have been like okay with that or would he have had issues with that that would have manifested itself in him taking bad shots or not playing defense or whatever? Yeah. So, um, or like, I mean, if Chris Holtman is sort of like a point guard whisperer, maybe you, but you would have had to get, you would have had to have Jaquan Lyle do a 180. Yeah. And, and Thad couldn't get him to do it. Right. So, so yeah, I mean, the, when the guy with the ball in his hands is kind of a me first guy, it really throws stuff off. Agreed. Okay, a couple more questions. I'll try to keep this under two hours. <laughs> I thought this, I thought this here we go. Here we go. <laughs> this question was funny from Abdallah. I don't know if it's Osman or Osman. It's O S M A N, like Jetty. Ah, Chetty. Should we be worried about losing Holtman to a basketball school? Hey. <laughs> Um, I, I mean, I think no, but I, he's got an eight-year contract with Ohio State, and Ohio State will keep paying him money to keep him here. And he's not um, – it's not like he's a – I don't know, like a UCLA grad. Like if that job opens, like i got to take a job at my alma mater. His alma mater is Taylor University. It's a Division three school. I don't even know if it's an NCAA school. Um, so he's not going back to his alma mater. He has no ties to like major programs. Um, so I wouldn't be worried about that. Uh, I have no idea if he wants to coach in the NBA. Maybe that's his like career end goal. So the way down the road, he can worry about that. But I wouldn't worry about him leaving for another college. I mean, the thing that was always hanging over Thad Mata is that Thad Mata was from Illinois, but from a part of Illinois that was basically in Indiana. Yeah. And grew up a Bob Knight Indiana fan. And the Indiana job like came open twice while Thad Mata was here, and it was sort of like, oh, like is and Indiana's Indiana. <clears throat> and when the Kentucky job was open, like right when Thad was. Doing really well. It's like, oh, the Kentucky job. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's the same thing because... Chris Holtman is from Kentucky. <laughs> Forget what we just said. <laughs> but I mean, like, Louisville's in, in a wreck, and it's like, I don't even know, like, like Chris Holtman... Chris Holtman, Thad... I don't know how to say this. Like, Thad wasn't, like, necessarily cool, but I do think Thad had a little more... Ring-a-ding-ding than Holtman a little bit. That, like, you could have maybe sold Thad to the Kentucky fan base. Especially, like, when he was hot off Odin yeah. and Conley and stuff. Yeah. Chris Holtman is, like, such, like, a nice guy. He's too nice for Kentucky. No, he's got... He's got... I, I put this in my story that I wrote. Like, he's got a little more of an edge to him, I think, than he gives off in post-game press conferences. Really? I think, like, whatever. Like, chip on your shoulder is, like, a, the most cliche thing you can say about a sports team. Um, but I think this team has one, and I think it comes from their head coach. Like, he's like an under, like, he just, he's a guy who didn't play major college basketball, who was like a little white point guard. Like, you know, the, the, exactly yeah. the guy I'm talking about. Like, I, th- I think that, I think that's in there. Interesting. So, like, I don't, yeah. And he said himself, he can be kind of a hard ass when he's coaching. So, I, yeah, I don't, I agree with what you're saying to a certain extent, but I also think that there's a switch in there that he can flip pretty easily. And maybe it's not in front of us, but it happens. I want to see that switch. Yeah. Doug DeLillo said, who's the most improved player on the team from start of season until now? I think it's CJ. I mean, I... Kate is too easy of an answer. I mean, it's like, well, Kate Bates Diop went from, like, good to the best player ever to play basketball. So, like, okay, maybe him. But CJ... CJ was, like, almost, like, borderline unreliable. And now he, like... He looked... I mean, this is even going back to last year. I know we said from the start of this season, but like last year, there were times where CJ Jackson and like sorry to be mean looked like he never shot a basketball before. Yeah, um, and, and it was now like he's uh, really good. His coach was like, "Oh, he's a great three point yeah. shooter." It's like, what? Yeah, 
And it was like, oh, he can't shoot and he can't really dribble. So, and he's still like, he's not the most natural point guard in the world, but he gets stuff done. His handle has improved. And now he's a, an offensive threat. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd say him. Uh, Mark Leffel said, if Kata goes pro, does it make more sense to add grad transfers at point guard and forward than sign a senior late? Uh, that makes sense anyway. Like I said, they're not going to add a, 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 I'd be very surprised if they added a high school senior. They're going to go grad transfer route. Um, point guard, I think, no matter what. And then if Kata leaves, like a frontline, versatile forward center type of guy like Kata is. If I if 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 Kata leaves, give me the top three scorers on next year's team in order. Ooh, if Kata leaves, top three scorers: uh, Caleb Wesson, number one; uh, C.J. Jackson, number two. That's what I thought. That's why I would have said for the first two. And then and now I have no idea what number three is. Incoming grad transfer guard X, number three. Okay, because the other options are like. Musa Jallo. Musa, uh, Luther Muhammad. Um, yeah, there's like Luther Muhammad. I don't think he'll be ready for that. Let me but we've, I mean, we've seen freshmen come and be good right away here, sure. all the time. Yeah. And there's room for that. I mean, there's room. If Kata leaves, and so you're losing Jay Sean Kata and Andrew Dockich, just, I mean, in terms of guys who play, I mean, like there's minutes there. Yeah. And Cam. And Cam's gone. Yeah. Cam's gone. I mean, there's room for, like, a freshman to come in and score 15 points a game if he wants to, if he can. Yeah, I also think, like, Kyle Young will have, like, it's – if there's anyone who's, like, disappointed with what Kyle Young is this year, just know that he's playing behind Kata, and that's why. Um, he's just not going to play a lot. But he'll play a ton next year. So maybe he's, like, I, he's got I, – I, I could have swore he could shoot. and Like, I don't think he has shot this year. But I think he's got a pretty versatile offensive game. Okay. So maybe he could be the third guy. Okay. That's the last question. That's the last question. I think we made it. That was a big, healthy dose of basketball Buckeye talk. That, yeah, that was much longer than I thought it would be. Really? Yeah, I'm not complaining. But but this is this is yeah. We wanted to because people wanted it. We appreciate that people wanted it. People were requesting a Buckeye talk. Like the second Isaac Haas missed his shot when the buzzer went off at of Purdue, we're like, "When's the podcast going up?" Yeah. Which we yeah we like the enthusiasm. So we appreciate that, and we want to give you – again, these are like the bonus ones because we do the football one every Wednesday. These are the extras, but this basketball team deserves its own podcast every week if we can do it. Um, So we'll keep trying to do that. Um, Keep sending your questions. You can follow us at Buckeye Talk Pod is a Twitter account. You guys can subscribe to that. Bill Landis, 25. Doug LaMaurice. Tim Bielek, who will be back for the football podcast for Wednesday. Um, read us all at cleveland.com slash OSU. Subscribe on Google Play. Subscribe on TuneIn, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, all that kind of stuff. We appreciate the reviews. Any reviews lately? I have not checked. I think, yeah, there was one. We got a five-star one last week. Nice. Yeah. We appreciate it. And we continue to do other things that maybe will enhance the podcast experience. We hope. We hope. We hope. Drizzy gets busy. All right. Thanks to you guys for listening. Uh, next game is Thursday at Penn State. And then when's the Michigan game? It's at Michigan after the Penn State game. That's the next game? Or at is it Penn, Rutgers? At Penn State on uh, Thursday at Michigan on Sunday. Home against Rutgers. Final home game Tuesday. Okay. Um, yeah, that's going to be an interesting stretch. I mean, I keep waiting for somebody to get them and nobody gets them, which is – 
A huge credit to these guys. Yep. So, um, all right. Thanks to you guys for listening. Read us at Cleveland.com. For Bill Landis, I'm Doug Lee Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.